The Joe Rogan Experience. Train by day, Joe Rogan Podcast by night, all day. Rex, I had a surprise for you, but it didn't work out. I had a suit and a tie, and yeah. I was going to come in dressed like you. Exactly. F- yes, full on white shirt, suit, tie. Fitted. Yes, fitted. But the problem is my fucking shirt was at the cleaners. So then I tried to use, um, have uh, some other white shirts that are like these really stretchy shirts that you can wear them if they're open. But if I'm trying to put a tie on, they literally don't fit around my neck. So I'm doing this and I'm killing myself. And then I'm like, well, maybe I'll leave it open. And they're, they're just... They're Dressing certain... up like first day of school. Yeah. Damn, I, I appreciate it. I was, like, I'm honored. I was going to mimic you. Yeah. yeah. Do you know, remember Michael Malice? Yes. He actually, I did a podcast with him, and he <laughs> he wore uh, the opposite, which ah, is a white tie. suit and a white tie and a black shirt. I mean, he is uh, sort of the epitome of the loving kind of troll. That's yes. like the ultimate troll. He, he wore the exact opposite. He got the exact same haircut as me, which I don't even know what that means exactly. <laughs> Just cut your hair short. Just cut your hair short. Yeah, that's all that means. But it, it, was, uh, it was a magical moment. That's, that's what trolling at his best does. It's mm. like you feel loved. Oh, that's funny. He's an interesting guy. Michael Malice is a very interesting guy because uh, he's got some wacky beliefs that I don't believe. I, I don't anarchy. subscribe to at all. Yeah, complete anarchy. No police. I don't think we should have police. Yeah. Like, like, what world are you living in? You weigh three pounds, and you don't even have a gun. You know, <laughs> no police. Yeah. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. But he's a brilliant guy. Brilliant. It's uh, it's interesting. Like, I don't subscribe to a lot of his ideas, but I think. Um, he, he's also always has a half smile when he's saying things. Yeah. So you kind of never know. I don't. I don't think he means half the things he says. Really? So I don't know. He's he's uh, <laughs> underneath it all, which is why I talk to him. Which is why I consider him a friend. There's a really kind person in there. Yes. And but he says things like, "Yeah, like police is the enemy." It's like, wait a minute. Uh, I, and you live in New York. So he plays with ideas. It feels like he's just somebody who's juggling with different ideas and having fun with it, mm. not taking anything seriously. And that's really refreshing because uh, in, the, in the best light, that's a fearless way to see the world. And also, uh, he's working on this concept of, I think he calls it the white pill, you know, like red pill and blue pill. <laughs> the white pill is basically, you know, I think he's highlighting that, that for red-pilled folks that there's sometimes a cynicism about the future of the world and the white pill is seeing the truth of the world but being optimistic about it and thinking like we can actually make things better so not becoming cynical Mm. not saying like you know uh globalist the government is ultimately like power corrupts absolute power corrupts absolutely it's always going to be a bureaucracy it's always going to be greedy people who take power and, and take control so that's like the cynical, the negative view. But the, the positive, the white pill view is that, you know, uh, we can actually build a better world. I mean, he has ideas about how to build that better world that I don't agree with. What <laughs> is his ideas? I, I'm not sure I've uh, quite understood them, but because ultimately he's like a counterpuncher, which is, you know, government, all government is bad. So that's the idea of anarchism is that you're supposed to, in this emergent way, you know, form groups 
and agree together how those groups should operate. I'm, I'm not articulating Isn't that like this. a local government? It's a local government. So his biggest problem is that we're born in this geographical space and are assigned to a particular government without having chosen it. Mm. So he wants to do exactly what we're doing now, but choose our government. Well, isn't that what happens when you move to a different state? I think so. Different state, that's the whole idea. It's of, one of the reasons why I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> You're yeah. an anarchist. Bro. I, I guess I am. If you if you yeah. consider California the status quo, I'm an anarchist. That's right. <laughs> this is the headline now. The current <laughs> Joe Rogan says he's an current anarchist. California is. Yeah. I mean, if that if rebelling against that form of government, the draconian measures they've put in with the lockdowns and yeah. then allowing people to camp everywhere. Yeah, but he also says I think that we ha we're in a state of anarchy between different nations because you can choose to immigrate to a different nation, yeah. and then they they operate. There's no, I think there's, you know, the UN and so on. There's agreements between nations, but they operate as independent entities. I don't know. And his idea is like remove as much as possible. It's like libertarian plus plus, like remove as much control from the government as possible. So uh, that's great until somebody robs you. Yeah, I think so too. I, yeah. So this is the, the, the capitalist view. I think, well, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to misuse terms, but the step back from the anarchist view is uh you know we should get government out of most things but the violence thing we should let government protect us from mm. so m the military the police you know and and things like firefighters and all those kinds of things i mean those that forms the fabric of society that can be stable and operate well and we could do all of them amazing things in terms of uh building new businesses, doing science, doing, you know, all the kinds of entrepreneurship, just everything that makes this capitalist United States of America possible, like all the freedoms we enjoy. It, it uh, at least to me, feels like the violence thing has to be removed off the table. Yeah. And yeah, that's the biggest problem. Because when you have violence, you don't get anything done. Yeah. Like, societies didn't really form in the, the sense that we like we, we have now, I would imagine, until they developed agriculture in cities, right? Where they fi figured out a way to put walls up and fortify them and keep the barbarians out and go, okay, whew, I'm thinking yeah. about a thing. It's called a wheel. <laughs> they they yeah. start they're putting ideas together. You just relax, write stuff, uh, write ideas down on paper. Yeah, and we're talking about physical violence. Yes. Like literally barbarians. At, at Not the like door. calling you the wrong pronoun. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, he, but I feel like, and Tim Dillon does this really well as well, is there's like a humor to it where you're almost taking down the powerful by not taking them seriously. He's one of the best alive at it. Tim Dillon's Tim one Dillon. of the best I've ever seen. Yeah. One of the best I've ever seen at making fun of things while pretending to be serious. Yeah. Yeah. His, uh, his YouTube is hilarious. He's his, amazing. Uh, he's doing these. Like, I love that skits. guy to death. Yeah. And he has a free pass because he's gay. <laughs> so, like, he gets yeah. away with so much more. And he doesn't seem gay. Like, my wife doesn't even believe it. She's like, I don't even believe he's gay. Yeah. <laughs> she's she's laughing about it. She's joking. But he's just a, he's a one of a kind. Yeah. He really is a one of a kind. <laughs> Kamala has already arrested me. Not mad, though. Just enjoying the moment. <laughs> His Twitter's a fucking, it's a work of art. I mean, it really is. His Twitter feed's amazing. Yeah. What did you say that Bert made a video of the homeless? It was on his Instagram. I'll see if I can pull it up. Uh... 
Dude. Burt Kreischer? He was yeah, driving but... up Highland Avenue in Hollywood and was just saying, like, <clears throat> he wasn't showing the whole video during it, but he was, like, at a stoplight, and, like, there was tents the whole way up here. And he's extremely like, this is also a really nice tent. It's... People want me to talk to Burt Kreischer because of this Russian story. Oh, hi, story. Bert. Look at Burt. The machine. Oh, this, it's in his Instagram story. Yeah, that motherfucker, story. his stories will go on yeah, for years. He does, for a long he does, does them every 15 seconds. It might even be deleted now. It's crazy. Yeah, I think it's Productivity-wise, he's basically yeah. the Elon Musk of Instagram Maybe stories. Maybe he took it off because it's not showing up. Or it could be one of these. Is it? Well, there's yep, there so it is, there it is. There's tents all the way up on Highland. People living on the side of the street. This is fucking insane. This is literally hundreds of tents everywhere. Uh, by the way, that's a nice fucking tent also. Those are two <laughs> very true. nice tents. I wonder if the city's giving them out because we don't have a tent that nice. I mean, I'm not even joking. Our tent isn't even that nice. Wow. That's uh... that's a tiny uh, image he showed. You know, you, you didn't get to see the real homeless situation, but Bridget Fetessy sent me a video when she was driving by Venice, and it's a minute and a half long of just straight tents as she's driving down the road. Just nothing but tents. Yep. Like, how do you put that genie back in the bottle, Lex? Well, that this is... <laughs> oh, you mean it's a slippery slope? No. Listen, I've been thinking about... You know, a bunch of tech folks move, are moving to Austin, right? Mm -hmm. in, terms of, uh, uh, in terms of starting businesses. So that's one of the questions they're asking. Like, where is this headed? And you're talking about the homeless problem. Yeah. But well, the governor just today came out and said that if uh, the city does not reimpose a ban on camping, that the state is going to step in. Well, yeah. Because people are, there's safety concerns. People are openly defecating on the streets. There's, uh, you know, it's not nearly as bad here as it is in California, but it's way worse here than I've ever seen it before. But, you know, homelessness is, it feels like that's a symptom, not the problem, right? There, I mean, is that... Uh, it's hard to say because homelessness was horrific in San Francisco before the pandemic. And the concern is that when you are too lenient on the homeless folks and just allow them to camp whenever they wherever they want, shit wherever they want, they just do it. And if you don't put up rules, if you try to be progressive and open-minded, it's like these are they like they have new words for them, like the unhoused and shit like that. And when you do that, you open up the door for more of them to migrate there because there's. Like, there was a video that somebody put up of them interviewing these homeless guys and, like, why do you like San Francisco? And they said, first of all, they give us food, they give us money, they, they let us, you know, they're, they're really loose, they let us camp wherever we want. And these guys had moved to San Francisco to be homeless, hmm. which yeah. is a problem. But see, just like you said, that problem is tied up with the fact that a lot of people are struggling financially because mm -hmm. of COVID. So it's now, like, yeah. it, it feels like trying to solve the homelessness problem is in direct tension with trying to take care of people who are struggling. Well, I think it shows that there's a problem with people losing a place to live and that the solution is not necessarily let them camp out anywhere they want. I think there, there should be some sort of a step that the government takes, whether it's to de develop housing or to build something for them. But when you let them just camp and shit everywhere, then you ruin all the other spaces. Right. Like, the best way to keep the city intact and to try to help these people is to implement some sort of a program where you provide housing for them. Letting them just camp on the street, that's chaos. Like, now you've, you've fucked up everything. So this particular 
state government just seems incompetent at solving this particular problem, but it also seems to be not very good at solving some other problems, right? In terms of encouraging businesses to you stay mean there. California. California, yeah. sorry. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Well, and it's 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 bad. It's overregulated. It's a crazy regulated state. You know, and it's also very high taxes. And there's a, a lot of people that are recognizing that there's other places that don't have any state taxes. Like, why would I stay in a place that's discri- it's they're, they're telling you you can't work. They're closing down businesses. Gavin Newsom today, is there's a lawsuit got filed by more than 50 San Francisco Bay Area restaurants and bars trying to say, like, why why are we closed? Like, this doesn't make any sense. You should You, you can't just keep doing this forever. And some places are starting to wake up. My, my hope is that a lot of this is political, as gross as that sounds, and that now that Biden and Harris are in, that they'll open things back up. And the mayor of Chicago has said this. The mayor of New York has said we have to open things back up. And I'm hoping, oh, interesting. I'm hoping that they take this chance. It could go the other way as well, though. Right. It's uh, The other way is now that there is a, a Democrat in office, that they could see that as a pass to to pass further regulations and push this closed economy go into uh lockdown further why would they and do that though i listen i was always thought it was a terrible idea the the long-term consequences on the economy are going to be potentially orders of magnitude worse on our like the fabric of our society so i don't know why they would do that the so the Michael Malice, so the devil on my shoulder. Okay, right? Michael's the devil. <laughs> <laughs> Wearing a white suit. Uh, or the devil wears a suit and tie, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's a badass. I've been listening to that. Uh, over How good over. is that guy? Yeah, that guy's amazing. Coulter Wall. And your story, uh, sorry in a small tangent, your story that he doesn't, he hasn't been on your podcast because. He's uh, working on a ranch. <laughs> like as a fucking rancher. As legit. Like we reached out to them. He's like, well, he's working on the ranch right now. Yeah. Like, what is he doing on that ranch? <laughs> he's a fucking cowboy, like a legit cowboy. Like, there's literally no more badass thing to do than turn down uh, <laughs> Joe Rogan experience uh, appearance. Massive promotion. He's like, nah, I'd nah. rather just rope steers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But the Michael Malice devil uh, argument is that. You know, that's one way for the government to gain more control over the populace is uh, to, to fear monger, say that there's a big problem yeah. and that uh, magnify the the sort of the narrative around how big that problem is. And unfortunately, from my perspective, uh, as a scientist, to use scientists to say, look, scientists are saying there's a huge problem, sort of use science as a tool of fear mongering and then gain further and further control of the populace. That's the devil. On the, on, the, on the shoulder. You have to have an incentive to do that. Like, why would they want that kind of control while also devastating the economy? They need the economy right. because they need tax revenue. If yeah. they're not getting tax revenue, how are they going to feed the military-industrial complex? How are they going to feed all their businesses? How are they going to feed the pharmaceutical industry? Like, what, what all these people that finance their campaigns and all these banks that pay for them to speak after they get out of office... Where's the money coming from now if there's no economy? I don't think that – I think that's like one of them doom and gloom QAnon type right. deals yeah. where people are thinking like this is – they want to tr- kill half the population and, you know. Yeah. No, I agree with you. I, everything you said incentive-wise, it makes sense. I was really confused why we haven't done, for example, mass-scale testing of everybody, which seemed like, you know, the antigen test, which can be under a dollar to manufacture, manufacture hundreds of millions of them. 
at-home testing of everybody. Is it under a dollar? To manufacture, yeah. Really? And now, yeah. So you can start April or May uh, of last year, start mass manufacture. There's no reason we can't do that. And then everybody starts getting tested. At the individual level, you know, the accuracy is not perfect. But at the societal level, that's one way. If you get a negative test, you're de- oh, sorry. If you get a positive test, you definitely have COVID. And so based on that, trusting the individuals, not tracking them, but trusting the individuals when they get a positive test, that they will stay home. And through that process, we would have been able to open up the economy in the summer. Mm. Like this, uh, uh, Michael uh, Minna, I think, from Harvard, is uh, people should go follow him on Twitter or wherever. He's been screaming about this. Like, why the hell is FDA getting in, in the way of this? Uh, so the FDA doesn't like crappy at-home tests. They, they want, like, expensive, nice tests. But the problem with expensive, nice tests, it's hard to manufacture them at mass scale. So there's, you know, people should go read his stuff. He's an actual he's an expert of this. Do the but, crappy at-home tests have a lot of false positives? False, no, they have false negatives. So meaning oh. if you get a positive, for sure you have it. Is that true? Because we've had guys that got false positives with the rapid antigen test. The rapid antigen test? Yeah. Uh, so, I, okay, everything coming out of my mouth now is kind of crappily. Uh, uh, so need, you, you might be correct. You need whiskey. I this need, is what you need. I, 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 <laughs> Some Whitmire's Texas Single Barrel. Come on, son. All right, Joe. You want you want to drink some whiskey just to clear the mind? Like that sound? That's the sound of bad decision making about yeah. to come up. Um, <laughs> ice or no ice? Uh, no ice, please. Ah, oh, like a man. I love it. Fucking Russians, savage people. Well, definitely not vodka though, because I I can drink whiskey in moderation. But Can't vodka. drink vodka in moderation. Yeah. You it's just like, start going hard. What is it? Uh, we got some of that. <laughs> no, 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 no. Cheers, sir. <laughs> Cheers. Good to see you, man. Good to see you. How long are you down for? Uh, anywhere from one week to five years. <laughs> <laughs> You're so free. Yeah. I love how you live, man. It's <laughs> yeah. beautiful. Because of your podcast, you, yeah. you can really do whatever you want, whenever you want to do it. It's kind of amazing. It's the Texas way. But I it still... is. The Russian slash Texas way. <laughs> but I like, I like Boston, too. I'm afraid of Silicon Valley now. Yeah. Okay. Everybody, everybody inside Silicon Valley, all my friends that work there, all the great entrepreneurs, all the people that work at big companies, Google and so on, say, do not move here. I, you know, here's childlike, naive me, like, texting, oh, what, what are the cool places to live? They're, it's like all cabs do not move Wyoming. Here. <laughs> <laughs> Get out now. <laughs> I don't yeah. understand. They don't actually don't provide good reasons. Like, the tax thing isn't the reason they provide. Well, it's they, crime. Elon told me 12 of his friends have been robbed. 12 so, of his friends have been assaulted and robbed there. Yeah. He's like, it's dangerous. So culturally, the whole kind of defund the police culture the, that, is affecting the, uh, the stability of the society. There's that, but there's also just rampant homelessness and people with mental health problems and drug addicts. And they need to fuel their problem. You know, there was a show where they uh, parked cars in San Francisco to see how long it took for the car got broken into. And then they put, you know, surveillance camera to watch it. And it was crazy. You parked the car and then five minutes later, people are looking around. They would sit in front of it 
look around, look around, just pull out a hammer out of a bag, smash and grab. You just leave a bag in there so it looks like there might be something in the bag. Mm-hmm. It, it, it was crazy. They watched, they watched over and over and over again people do this in a place where it's literally the highest real estate in the state and one of the most wealthy places on earth. San Francisco is incredibly wealthy. Yeah. And you have homelessness everywhere, crime everywhere. There's an app that you can get where you can track the human defecation throughout the city. Yeah. <laughs> like, why would you live there? Well, the question is, if you want to build, so in the tech space, if you want to build a company to do something cool, I don't care if what that a little app or change the world, that's some large scale thing, where do you go? Right here, baby. World? Yeah, right, Austin, right, right, Texas. Right. Come on, son. But for the longest time, it's been Silicon Valley, right? <laughs> I'm trying to talk everybody cool and moving here. Yeah. Fahim Anwar's moving here. One so, of the best comics in LA. Awesome. So, uh, yeah, Elon has moved here. Yeah. So he's he's been uh, he's kind of the reason that's making me think. Like, th- it's very possible that this becomes, in the good sense where the the crazy the wild entrepreneurs move so the the tech the cool silicon valley yeah. uh moves it's yeah, very like, possible like okay you, okay I know like, I, you. like you lex yeah, it's yeah. calling you yeah yeah Come well but, <laughs> i heard you ate at terry blacks but you have to yeah yeah, yeah. terry blacks awesome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> stopped you in your tracks didn't ju- it? exactly exactly like you said <laughs> people first of all it was amazing and then, of course, there's people who are like, oh, no, well, that, yes, Terry Blacks is amazing, but you should try this other place, so on and so forth. There's all kinds of great yeah. barbecue here. They're right. Franklin's is all, look at that. Woo! People are like, that's too dry. Okay, I get no, it. No, I, no, I, I, no, 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 it is not too dry. That's a photograph, you fucks. Not only that, it's with an Android phone. <laughs> How do you know it's an Android? Because you're an Android guy. Yeah. <laughs> you, you've committed to that platform. It's very admirable. You don't give a fuck about that green text bubble. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I tried Signal. Oh, Signal's You amazing. and I had an extensive conversation yeah. on Signal, like yeah. one message back and forth. Yeah. Well, we could keep going, but it seemed to be like we just text each other. <laughs> I don't mind green. Yeah. I, it's one of my favorite colors. I don't, yeah. I don't mind the green bubble. Yeah. But I think it's a funny thing with people. You know, I just, I'm more uh, invested in the Apple ecosystem, and yeah. I use AirDrop a lot. With, amongst friends, and I know yeah. they have a so uh, Samsung has an equivalent to AirDrop now, that's uh, supposed to be pretty functional. Samsung Galaxy S twenty one, the greatest phone coming out soon. Ultra, Ult- uh, Ultra is the big one. That's the good one. Yeah, yeah, Phantom Black Ooh, looks good on you. I feel like I was sponsored I to say that. this, but uh, you I hope I was. <laughs> uh, I hope I get a free phone out of this. Had a great review of the the Ultra. He makes it very exciting. Yeah, he makes everything exciting. He's great. Everything just looks super sharp and crisp and sexy. Just everything. Yeah. I just want to buy all of whatever he's. <laughs> <laughs> he's so smooth. Yeah, he's so smooth. And so nonchalant. Reviews. Yeah, he's so just yeah. relaxed. He's um, an Android guy. You know, there's a lot of those tech guys that review things are Android guys because you're constantly taking your SIM card out of one phone right. and putting it in another. I got an iPhone 12 and uh, I tried to get it registered at Verizon. It took an hour and a half. It didn't work. I bought it online at the Apple store. I got it delivered. It took an hour and a half to get it. They get like, we can't figure out how to do this. And we, we might have to change your plan. I'm like, Jesus fucking Christ. Finally, they got it. Yeah. They got it up and running. I'm like, oh, it's great. It's different. It's more square. 
Same fucking phone. Yeah. It's not much different, right? For what I do, I mean, I'm not playing games. I'm just making phone calls and taking pictures. The camera on the 11 was awesome. Camera on the 12 is awesome. The next morning, on my way to the fucking airport, and mm-hmm. it just stops working. Just completely stopped working. Wouldn't make phone calls. I couldn't call Verizon on it. Couldn't do anything. Yeah. It just it, it said, please contact Verizon. And I'm like, oh, you sons of bitches. So then I had to call them, and I just reactivated my 11. Yeah. I, I have this fucking brick of a 12 just sitting in my dresser. Hmm. It's like the buying the treadmill that you never use. Or Jamie and I were just talking about the uh, Ableton uh, Live Push. Sorry, what's it? What is it? Yeah, it's a little deep. It's, what a, it's a musical instrument, like, uh, tool. So actually, uh, Grimes uses that to compose her music. Uh, what is it? Um it's a thing that, uh, so there's a recording software called Ableton Live, and there's a push device where you can, like, tap it to do a beat, like, do, 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 and you can, like, mix stuff. You can loop things. Oh, okay. And there's people online you can watch, and they do, like, they create, ma- like, incredible. Is that right there? Yeah. yeah. Oh, that looks dope. That looks like a, a giant Simon Says machine. Mm-hmm. Th- doesn't it look like something you want to learn and it use does. to create uh, cool stuff? So I got it, like, two Let years ago. Let me hear some of this. Uh, what you make out of it is what you decide. Play melodies and chords in any key. Oh, this is like a commercial. It's just like the ad for it, yeah. It does look pretty dope. The Well, but the point is it's a symbol of all my failures in life because I've gotten it's been sitting in a box just looking at me, just like that brick <laughs> of a phone, just saying this is, this is why you're a failure because you can't take three or four hours to read a fucking manual or tutorial or learn how to actually use this maybe a youtube video would get you it, well no it gets as is <laughs> talking to jamie is <laughs> it gets you in a way it's both exciting inspiring and depressing because they're so good and they make it look so easy like look you can just tap a beat and you can start but when you actually like start to learn how to use it like able to live the software you realize oh there's all these buttons and you yeah there's mm. there's all these things you have to learn. Like, how do I even record just the basic, just even our conversation? How do I record that? And and then you have to realize there's like shortcuts you have to learn. You basically have to sit down, embrace the suck, embrace the learning curve of saying, okay, on on Monday I'm going to read this tutorial and I'm going to get it done, and uh, you know learn something new, and. and you know, doing that alone is really difficult when nobody's really pushing you. I don't know. Mm. That's that's uh that's probably a metaphor for a lot of things we fail to do in life is like always putting it off and putting it off and putting it off. Uh it's something that actually will probably bring like me in this case a lot of joy. I'm sure you're accurate. Right. But you have to you have to be a little bit less harsh on yourself because you're very productive. The problem with you is you do so many things right. between jujitsu and working yeah. out and having yeah. fucking phone calls with David Goggins where he talks to you into things. And okay. <laughs> Can I just talk about that for a second? <laughs> okay. Okay. So this is why this is, you t- you've told me before not to read comments, but I do write comments on Instagram. And his, he's, he put a story out, I think, yesterday uh, saying that he's doing the 48-mile challenge again four by four by 48 where you run four miles every four hours and like a like a fucking idiot <laughs> i commented i thought like nobody would know i could just like i said i'm in no! i wrote I'm, i wrote i'm in and i thought oh. i would get like positive like and then people would be like oh cool like talk to me about it and i could do it peacefully at home uh, so it's march 5th 
I think, is when he's doing it, which is nice. He announced it, like, down the line a little bit. Uh, he, he calls me within seconds of me posting <laughs> that. <laughs> he's, uh, he's like, Lex, good <laughs> to hear from you. Yeah, what's up, brother? <laughs> Stay hard. <laughs> I'm in. There you are. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, and then, then he calls, and he's like, and let me like, let me hear his video. Let me hear what he yeah. says. Start from the beginning. Right. That time of year again, the second annual four by four by forty-eight. For some of you who don't know what that is, basically you run four miles every four hours for forty-eight hours. Some of you out here don't like running, can't run, you have bad knees, bad hips, bad ankles. Walk. Do whatever you can do. You know, in that period of time when you're supposed to be working out. So that being said, a lot of you out here did it last year. It was a huge success. Make sure that you have, you know, like logistics set up. There's going to be times of night when you're running at 4 o'clock, you know, in the morning, midnight, different times. You know, the fucking boogeyman comes out at nighttime. So make sure <laughs> that you have, you know, safety parameters in place. Run with somebody. Do whatever the fuck you have to do to keep yourself safe, just like last year. All right, that said, um, this year I want to give away some items, and I've been talking about it a lot more, but I have some you know, new shorts in stock. So this year I'm doing tons of giveaways for those of you who go above and beyond. And what that means is some people last year raised thousands of dollars. Yeah, this is all this for charity. By 4 by 48. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Tons of people got tons of people involved in the 4x4x48. Did, did several things they did outside the box thinking to raise awareness for their causes, their charities, raise awareness for fitness, whatever it was. It was great to see that. Last year I had nothing to give away. I just saw these amazing stories. I was being tagged in amazing stories. Didn't have anything to give away. This year that's a different fucking story. I have a lot of things to give away. This is like so the nice version of Deo Gaga. It's the thoughtful know, version. This right? one here is one of them. I think it's taking souls down the back. Yeah. I also have this shirt right here I'll be giving away. Um, this is a new uh, Stay Hard shirt. <laughs> okay. So the thing is, he's like, why don't you come down and we'll do it together. And so him and I are going to do it together. You're going to do it in Vegas? Yeah. Oh uh, Jesus Christ! So and he you're says, stay "But for two days with him in Vegas, yeah, with him." But this is not like <laughs> Jimmy Chicken's. Okay, head. I feel like that's not. I mean, it sounds like fun, but that's not a good idea. No, it's not a good <laughs> idea. Trust me, man, because you're not sleeping. So it's 48 right. hours of no sleep with David Goggins, like yeah. alone. Plus, he says we're gonna do a bunch of other crazy shit, like extra shit, and uh, and then he suggested that the kind of shit that would break me. Oh, and I was boy. like, out. I was like, all right. But, uh, of course, the... Have you ever thought about joining the Navy SEALs? No. Okay. I do not want to join the Navy SEALs. <laughs> but it, uh, are going to carry the boat? Uh, who's going to carry wanna, the boat? I want to be in the boat. I don't want to carry the boat. But that said, I, it, listen, it's it's all fun. It's pretty easy. 48 miles is rough. but it's That's like, why you can't learn that machine. What do you mean? That electronic music machine. That's yeah. why you don't have any fucking time. But that, th that, those are the demons you have to face. That I'll be thinking about that electronic machine the whole time I'm running with them. No, but uh, you know, uh, it's a good test. It's a good test of like going to the limit. It's the thing he talks about, right? Whatever, whatever that percent is, ten percent, forty percent. Forty percent. The 
that, you know, just take your mind to the limit and push further. And he's a good person to do it with. How are your knees? Good. So I've never had tr- trouble. Well, you know, knock on wood, never had trouble. Really? All your jiu-jitsu? No knee trouble? Ju- I've never been injured in jiu-jitsu. All That's the, amazing. Like really hard training. It, I think it was because of the wrestling background, I've always approached everything in training with the following thought, like how can I train really hard, like twice a day? How can I put in a three-hour, four-hour sessions of training with killers without getting injured? So don't, you know, make sure there's a strong frames, like just working on all the stabilizers, making sure Mm. to not want the ego, it's like silencing the ego. Just, you know, if somebody is being rough in a way or somebody is much better than me in a way that puts me in compromising positions, not in terms of being submitted, but in terms of, just like putting pressure on some body parts that's going to break me. Like mm-hmm. I can tell, like it'll lead to injuries. Mm-hmm. I'll like, I'll not have my ego and try to beat them. I'll, I'll flow with it more and just making sure I put in the miles versus like, uh, the wins, the individual wins along mm-hmm. the way. And so maximizing that allowed me to, uh, just be lucky, honestly, because you can be just unlucky. Yeah, and I got one of my worst injuries was unlucky. One of my ACL snaps just was uh, working out with a guy who's like really cool, easy to work out with. Training, uh, we were, I was uh, passing his guard. I was in half guard, and uh, my leg was sideways, and he did a lockdown sideways. Mm-hmm. So you know, lockdown normally extends you out this way, mm-hmm. but it went that way. Right. So it was like he like locked me out that way. Yeah. And it just popped. Because I was trying, I, it was really, um, wasn't a wise position to be in, right? right? Especially with the gi, because there's no friction, or there's too much friction, rather. Mm-hmm. I couldn't turn my knee over and slip out of it. I really should have gotten myself in a better position and just used my shin yes. and instep and tried to push my way out or tried some other methods to get out of the half guard. But I tried to sit sideways, and I was going to just try to, and he extended his leg, and I just, well, it was like a carrot. Yeah, it didn't even hurt. It was yeah. crazy. I was like, ah, and then he goes, "You okay?" I'm like, "I think so." Hold on a second. And then I moved around a little. I'm like, it "Doesn't even hurt," but th- it just popped the ligament off. Yeah, I think the lockdown is a really perfect position. Like, there's very few people in this world that can put me in lockdown because I'm so afraid of that position because of the injury. Mm. So, like, I'm very cautious. And if they do, I'm not. This isn't like a challenge. Sorry for me. Sounds like that. Obviously, there's a million people way better than me. And they put they can put me in lockdown, but I'm very careful to avoid that position because I know how compromising it can put the the knee in. The knee, yeah. The uh, and funny enough, as you know, like usually the better the person, the more you can trust them mm-hmm. to do the lockdown sure. in a way that. So like certainly, the more you know, you you judge people. <laughs> I try not to judge people in regular life, but in jujitsu, I'll judge them harshly in a sense. I'll pick people who are not uh, like spe- like don't move in sudden ways that are mm-hmm. just unexpected. Right. So the the kind of people I love training hard with are the people who are exceptionally good, but they move in ways that are like they flow. They flow, but are not like be- uh, the Ben Askrens of the world that are funky. In they, they you know like <laughs> that are creative. Uh, the the Names are slipping my mind of all the different jiu-jitsu people who are super creative. They kind of surprise mm-hmm. you with their creativity. I like, like, Hodger Gracie style. You would hate rolling with Eddie Bravo then. I Well, it, it I'm sure. It puts you would, in some weird spots. Right. But I wouldn't have an ego in this. You know, there's, like, hard training where you're trying to win. 
mm-hmm. and trying to improve. And there's training where you're like learning from each other. And right. With him, I mean, he's already like probably several orders of magnitude better than me. So there's no reason for me to like try to beat him. Mm-hmm. So, but like lockdown is a good example of a position that kind of scares me in in terms of just the pressure it puts on the on the knees. Yeah, he's got a very unusual game too. Like his students have a very unusual game. Like uh, Richie Martinez, uh, boogeyman, has this crazy guard game. And if you're not accustomed to someone who's got that level of flexibility, I've talked about Richie before too because he comes from a weird uh, background. He's a break dancer. Yeah. And because of that break dancing, he has incredible body control. You know, break dancers, like people that think of break dancers, they don't necessarily equate it with like these incredibly athletic people, but. My God, the breakdancers of today. Follow Stance Elements on uh, Instagram. The uh, breakdancer? Yeah, no, it's a it's a page that's dedicated that to breakdancing. It is wild. We played one the other night with Jordan Burroughs because Jordan Burroughs was kind of making fun of breakdancing. I'm like, dude, watch this. And there's this guy, uh, I forget his name. I forget the guy's name. The, the craziest guy, his name is... Uh, yeah, that's guy. That's B Boy Tata. As a but, Russian, I approve of the tracksuit. You got to see this guy breakdance, though. Like the shit that he does. If you can go to Stance Element, well, let's see what he does here. Look at this. What the fuck? He's on one hand bouncing around like he weighs two pounds. And he's a big guy. He's a big athletic guy. And he, he can, he's doing freakish shit, man. Timing, balance, just general body awareness. That's incredible. All of it, but the strength. He's, his feet don't even touch the ground. Just imagine how good that guy would be good at jiu-jitsu or oh my God. mixed martial arts. Oh, without a doubt. But he's also like incredibly powerful. Like uh, the Stance Elements video, go to the Stance Elements page. Because there's a, there's a video of him in... Uh, oh, it's look at us. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, if you see the Stance Elements page, though, scroll down to the video of him with, uh, I think he's got, I think he's got a red tracksuit on there, too. No. Scroll. They, they, they post a lot of stuff. This this might, there it is, right there. Watch this. Just watch this. Look at that. What in the hell? I mean, Dude. And that there's a lot of creativity in that too. So it's not just like gymnasts have athleticism that's also incredible for martial arts, but this has just like creativity. And he's doing it to music, and he's dancing to yeah. music. I mean, it's phenomenal. There's another guy called uh, B Boy Pocket Kim. Have you ever seen that guy? He doesn't even seem real. Like literally, doesn't seem real. The, yep. the guy's abilities. The, that's him in the upper right hand corner, Jamie. Right, click on that. Watch this dude, because this literally does not seem real look at that what 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 the fuck yeah. man what the hell <laughs> he's what's, amazing uh, what's that called oh look at it's it's me talking about him i say he's the freak of all freaks <laughs> that's hilarious but he really is i mean he's incredible that other guy b-boy tata is amazing <laughs> that's, that's that's you. That's funny that's what, so funny what's that style called where you're doing like a robot style like pop lock type situation where you're it's not it's not breakdancing. It's like... I think it's called pop-locking. No? Is it, no, like where you're uh, f- deforming your body in different ways. That It's kind of like a robot dance, but on steroids. I, th- I believe Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it's, it's like... You're making your body dance. flow in all different kinds of... I don't want to mis- uh, say it's hyphy, but I think it's called hyphy, and Stylebender does... Uh, hyphy? Yeah, it's H-Y-P-H-Y. Hyphy. Hmm. Let's see if I... 
Okay. Anyway, that's what, but I think breakdancing is a is a better like overall body awareness muscle activity for uh for fighting. Definitely. Well, G- a guy gymnastics. like that, like a, a guy like like whether it's uh uh Kim, uh, B-Boy Pocket Kim, or whether it's uh, B-Boy Tata, those guys, those guys can do anything. You'd have to just show them the moves, whether it's uh, kickboxing or jujitsu. Their, their body control is just incredible. The flexibility is incredible. The, the explosiveness and the control, the control. When that guy is jumping up and down on one hand, like you have to be incredibly strong. They're style bender. Yeah, that kind is of Is this stuff. it? Yep. This is just uh, overall body awareness and dance skills. Look at that. Look at him getting after it. <laughs> yeah. He's going to fight Jan Blachowicz for the light heavyweight title. That is a very interesting fight. Uh, what do you, by the way, think about the Conor fight the, this weekend? I'm very excited. Unfortunately, I'm going to be, I think I'll be getting off stage right around the time it starts. Yeah. Because we're doing these shows. Ch- Chappelle. Uh, Dave Chappelle versus Conor McGregor. Well, the problem is uh, we picked a bunch of dates, yeah. and D- Dave does some dates with like music, and he's like, you know, which dates you want to do. So I picked these dates, and I didn't even recognize that I picked the twenty third, which yeah. is the day of the fight. That's all right. Who do you who, who do you got? I do not know. I do not know. Oh, <laughs> I, <mean, laughs> I do not know. Yeah. Um, I think that Dustin has gotten far better, and Dustin is. Um, much more durable at 155 pounds, you know. But that said, Michael Johnson KO'd him at 155 pounds. Um, Michael Johnson hits very hard, and he caught him with a perfect shot that could, you know, legitimately knock out most 155-pounders. But he KO'd Justin Gaethje. He beat Max Holloway, which uh, especially when you look at Max Holloway's crazy, performance this weekend. Incredible performance. Last maybe weekend. the best performance I've ever yeah. seen against a guy who in Calvin Cater is just a straight-up assassin, yeah. right? Um, yeah, those numbers were crazy. When you, uh, I saw that you put up the numbers, I didn't. When I watched that fight, it didn't feel like that dominating of a performance, as the numbers indicate. It was dominating, but it's what, what is it like a record for the most uh, most strikes landed ever? Yeah. And here's the crazy: most strikes thrown and most strikes landed. But here's yeah. the crazy thing: those most of the time when you see like a lot of strikes landed, it's a ground fight. Right. Someone's on top of the guy and beating him up and like holding him down for five rounds. But with Max, it's all stand-up. Yeah. He's he's in, insane. We think Connor said that he'll knock, knock out Poirier in the first 60 seconds. Well, you know, he's probably putting that in Poirier's head. You know, you got to always think Connor's playing mind games. He's I mean, being really nice. I don't know is. if you saw. It's he's crazy. being really respectful of, yeah. like, the, the he's uh, donated some money to the Poirier. has yeah. a charity. Yeah. I'm yeah. not sure what it is. but uh, So there's, like, a lot of love back and forth. I know. It's weird. Is like, it, it might friendly be Connor. Connor. Friendly Connor is a different Connor. I gotta put. I, I, it's the Russian in me. I love Khabib. I would. I, I know he's a fascinating human being. A fascinating human being. I hope he comes back and for fights Connor? for Connor. But what if Dustin wins? Does he, does oh, he, is he yeah. compelled to fight Dustin again? Because that was a close fight. That was a good fight. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, there was a moment in that fight where Dustin caught him in a guillotine, where I was like, "Whoa! Like that is tight." Like and Dustin has a very good guillotine. Yeah. But Khabib got out of it. That's the problem with people who are undefeated. It's like, where's the ceiling? Because maybe Khabib wasn't going as hard. Yeah. You know, that. Or, you know, maybe that's how he stays undefeated. He gets that close to defeat 
because he's fighting world-class fighters, but his will and his ability is just enough to pop that head out and keep smashing you and eventually tap you. Yeah, but you got to admire the man who's... uh, So Khabib is talking about what, like, agriculture, like farming. Mass, I don't know if you were paying attention to this. He's he's talking to, like, a businessman, but a businessman not like talking about like tequila or uh <laughs> like new clothing line or maybe doing a podcast or something like that i don't know he's he's talking about actually building farms and like honoring the culture of his people in the kind of way the businesses that they build honoring the the the, the dreams that his father had and his mom has so I mean, that's that's pretty badass. That's pretty bad. But I'm he's a suck- an amazing person. Good, uh, amazing in many ways, but also complicated, which is really interesting. I I'd love to see how that like uh, wine or vodka, whatever. I know he doesn't drink uh, ages. I, I wonder because <laughs> he's been so 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 focused on fighting. You know, you have the uh, Bouvassier Setiev. I've talked about him before. He's from that culture. They became more and more philosophical and poetic, and so on. So I think Khabib will be a good guest on this podcast in like 10, 20 years. Well, his English is much better now. Yeah. I mean, uh, I would have him on anytime he wants. You know, when we first talked about it a long time ago, but he was struggling with his English, but his English is excellent now. He he can talk really good. I'm going to smash your boy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, his English is so like developed around like talking a little bit of trash in MMA. I don't know how good his English has developed in terms of being like philosophical for three hours in a podcast or like thoughtful. Oh, about I think life. he'd be fine. I think he'd be yeah. fine. I think he can. You know, I've I've seen him speak in interviews. I think he's fine. Yeah, yeah. could be if I you mean, need a translator. My Russian's pretty we got good. Yourself a Russian right here. <laughs> I mean, dude, I had Yoel Romero. On yeah, that was incredible. with Joey Diaz. With Joey Diaz, yeah. that that worked out. That was incredible because uh, his English is well, pretty good still. It's not he bad. Can still talk. Uh, and uh, Joey adding the stories. That's a fascinating coupling. That's like yeah. one of my favorite conversations, the, the going back and forth. The, Very interesting. It's music. Yeah, well, you know, they they know so much about that Cuban culture, too. It's a, They know so much about uh, each other. Yeah, that's, that's I think about the translation. He he did it masterfully. Obviously. He really did, yeah. Uh, no, Joey speaks fluent. Right. Oh, well, both, both languages. Yeah. You're talking about, yeah. Yeah, I think about that with... Uh, obviously Russian. So I have the unique possibility to speak somewhat English and uh, R- Russian pretty well. It's like, who can I be a Joey Diaz for? Khabib. Well, I could, Khabib is already pretty, pretty good. Oh, yeah. I mean, here, let me do the, the pitch. Hi, Khabib. Um, if you ever want to come on the Joe Rogan experience and need a translator. <laughs> no. Uh, I'd love to do it. I'd love to just sit silently I don't and think he needs some. a translator, He though. doesn't. That's no. the problem. Yeah. Stop learning English. Hello, <laughs> you. Yeah, exactly. He's not Yoel. Is uh, you know his 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 English is uh, much, much more. Um, uh, it's much more limited. Yeah, but it also has an art to it as well. Just oh, the yeah. simplicity of it. You know, just like Joey Diaz, who like mispronounces half the things he says. <laughs> is uh, he does it on purpose though? He does it. Okay. Kind well, of. He does sort it of. He you calls Khabib Kalabib. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, but but the the result, like with uh, Yoel, is like it's almost a caricature of the the uh, like the superhero fighter. 
right? Yeah. He's like right. he's built like he's probably has the one of the most intimidating like builds in in mixed martial arts. You think so? Well, who else? Yoel. Yoel's got the most intimidating build for sure. Ever. Well, then there's the heavyweights, right? Um, Francis Ngannou. Francis Ngannou, right? He's, he's just yeah. all around terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. Then, uh, but Yoel is like Yoel doesn't even look like a real person when you meet him. He just doesn't look real. He's so big, it doesn't look real. He's apparently going to fight light heavyweight in Bellator. What's light heavyweight? Two hundred five. Two hundred five. Yeah. I think he's going to move up to two hundred five. He's so big, you yeah. know. That's the struggle to get to one eighty five at his age. I believe he's forty four now, which is crazy. He's just completely shredded at forty four, like full six pack, no body fat. Yeah. Looks like a, a Greek god. Doesn't look like he's aged a day in yeah. all the years he's been fighting. I I don't think he's ever talked about diet or anything like that, right? Whatever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I eat Cuba food. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what he eats, but I mean, he's got to be eating hard work. He's got to be eating fairly clean. Look at him. <laughs> he's in a cryo chamber, laughing and smiling. I've never seen that guy. He's like the complete polar opposite of me. He's never. He's always happy. Yeah. Yeah, he's always, always happy and smiling. And I'm glad you. Um, another guy who shredded is uh, Burroughs, uh Jordan Burroughs. I'm, I'm glad you had him on here. Oh, he was amazing. He's a special, special human. Well, when you're that kind of an athlete and also a wrestler, like those guys, they don't get a lot of accolades. They don't get a lot of press. They don't get the attention of the media, of the the love of the crowds. It's it's a different world. They do it for the love of wrestling and the love of competing in one of the most difficult physical pursuits known to man. Yeah. That, that makes it just like he was saying, it makes it more, I don't know. Money almost gets in the way. I know it's a horrible thing to say that it, it, it's people should get paid. For I know what you're saying. Though. Putting their body yeah. on the line. But when you don't get paid, which is what makes Olympics special, I think you, you know, you don't get, uh, Especially in the early journey, you don't get paid at all or much. It makes it special. It makes it so pure about the sport. And wrestling represents that that uh, amazingly uh, well. I talked to uh, so Jordan Barros is this uh, badass new talent. I talked to Dan Gable. I don't know if you know who that is. Sure, of course. Yeah, he. Uh, that they was... offered him up for the podcast. I would love to have him on, but yeah. I want to do it in person. Did you do it remotely? No, in person. Yeah, I flew down to Iowa. Oh wow! It was I stayed with him. So Wait, I thought is that up yet? Did you? Oh uh, yeah, I just that? uploaded. People, people Today? should check. Uh, no, no, uh, like a month ago. Oh, okay. People should. I actually re-uploaded it because uh, I I was so sad. I never I never care about views or listens and so on. So it's good that we're mentioning it. Uh, please go there, check out Dan Gable, because <laughs> I was so sad that it only got not much views relative to others. And I was like, this is one of the most special humans in the world. Yeah, his story is crazy, too, about I, how he became that dedicated and focused when his sister was killed when he was yeah. 15. Yeah, raped and killed. And it was just, uh, so the rest, his wrestling brought the family together. And just, I mean, you couldn't write a better script because uh, he, he went undefeated until his last match in college. And he lost his last match in college against the person he should have beat. Because he took a lot of stuff, you know, he got he let himself get distracted, and of course, a guy who's never lost, losing that like that does something to you, that he turned another he went to another level, 
and and then he won the Olympic gold medal without letting up a single point, just domination. <laughs> and and then and then coaching wise, he then went to Iowa and coached. I think he's the most winningest coach in NCAA history, or like up there, and just taught this whole culture of just domination, which is tough in this new. I mean, he struggles with this now. Obviously, he has daughters and family, so he's, like, softened up a little bit. There's still a madman in there. Like, he has a shed, and he goes in the shed, and, like, there's demons in there. But <laughs> He works out in the shed, right? Yeah, yeah. Still, yeah, there's videos of it's, it. It's crazy. Even as an older man. He like, doesn't. Trains very hard. And they, I think they build the shed, so, like, he's, like, in order to maintain my marriage, I have to, I have to separate <laughs> those two worlds. I think he's got fake hips and fake knees fake now. Fake everything. Yeah. Yeah. Shoulders it's, as well? Uh, I don't know about the shoulders, but I, I love his the. What was that? Oh, I was to get the gym up. oh it's uh, yeah. here it goes. <laughs> this is his shed shed gym. There he is. Yeah, I mean he's he's all busted up, and he still trains very hard, but uh, he's got hip replacements. I think he's got knee replacements as well. Did you ask him about those? Uh, no, not about you know, <laughs> and not about those. I was so focused on kind of um, his mindset. He's basically David Goggins before David Goggins, which is just this mindset. I remember he said that I've always wanted to train so hard that they would have to carry me off, you know, like a, be near death. They would have to carry me off the mat, and he's never succeeded. And he was proud of his daughter uh, because she she's a swimmer, and she passed out during a swim meet in the pool, and he was proud of her that she succeeded where her father <laughs> failed. <laughs> so, Jesus Christ. So that drive, I mean, uh, what can you say about that? The, the thing is, the I don't know how often you're in the Midwest, in like that kind of Midwest. Uh, so I also saw Tom Brands, who's the current Iowa coach. I spent a day with him. I spent a day with uh, 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 Dan Gable. And like, I wanted to stay there forever. The family feeling, yeah, just the love, like I don't. It, it's a very you know we talk about California with the homeless and all. You forget, you forget how like good humans can be to each other. Like uh, everybody in like New York or even Boston or California, they're busy. They they got a thing going on. They go to the next thing and so on. Here they're they're just set back. They don't know who the hell I am. This was so. This was recorded two years ago. I was like sitting on it, not. I had demons around it, okay? Uh, what kind of demons around it? I felt like I felt that I didn't do a, as good of a conversation as I could have. I felt like I failed one of my heroes. I don't know. I I don't know. So, whatever. <laughs> but I was the the What made you change your mind? Uh like uh, a bunch of the Iowa folks nonstop messaging me like, come Where on, the dude, fuck is stop the being video? a little bitch. <laughs> uh, but and he was really he was really nice to me. Uh, but there there's a there's a both a love in that family atmosphere and a love within the focus that they've had. So for for so many years, this is one of the magical things I experienced that made me even further believe that family can be beneficial for success is that they're all in on this effort that Dan had to win the Olympic gold, to just succeed as a wrestling coach, just his whole life. They get it, and mm -hmm. they love him for it. 
and they kind of embrace it. And there's like this family atmosphere. Like what they did at Tom Brands is the same uh, Olympic gold medalist to coach of Iowa, another guy who's just insane. He, we sat down on the couch and just watched these like documentaries about people being badasses, like mountain climbing, just overcoming shit as a, as a family thing, as a family all together. And they've invited me like a nobody. And I don't know. It, I've never felt that before and since, I think, because I don't go out of Midwest very much. And it just felt like home. I don't there's know. something to be said for that kind of life. The, the, there's a different way of life. And uh, like my good buddy John lives in, uh, John Dudley, he lives in Iowa. And uh, just different kind of people out there. You no know, Twitter, no Instagram, no... Oh, he doesn't have that? No. no. I mean, there might be something that somebody does for him. But, but it's just small town life. Small town life, yeah. I mean, there's good and bad, you right. know. Right. There's a lack of nuance there sometimes. <laughs> well, definitely all Trump supporters there. Oh yeah. At the time, yeah. Uh, why do you think years. that is? Why Why do you think that is? Because here's a there's a, here's a narrative that I don't like, and it's the uh, Trump supporters are all racist. You know, I don't I don't like that narrative. I don't think it's true, and I, I think it's too simplistic, and I think it's uh, it. There's a lot of people that don't like a lot of what Democrats are pushing, whether it is, uh, you know, whatever the variables are, whatever the things are that that they don't like about the Democrats. It doesn't mean they're racist. But this this thing keeps coming up over and over again. Like, you can just say it. You can just say it. And that Trump equals you're supporting racism. You support Biden. It means you are you're you're the future. You're progressive. And it's a weird, uh, it's a weird narrative that it's, is very polarizing to all the people that voted for Trump that aren't racist, that just they they don't like a lot of the things that Joe Biden stands for in terms of his politics and the way you know he the way he was with the Obama administration, the way the Democrats have been throughout the election. There's a lot of, you know, they're allowed to have their opinions, and I think we we run a real dangerous risk in this country of uh separating people like good versus evil and uh not just respecting people's differences and differences of opinions and it's, a diff- it's a different kind of discrimination yeah. you know it's an intellectual discrimination it's a cultural discrimination it's a, it's a weird way of chastising people that don't share your ideas and in terms of white supremacists or racist we focus on both the left and the right on the extremes, on the ridiculous examples mm-hmm. of the tiny point zero zero one percent of the people, like with the uh, with the violence in the capital. You you somehow equate that you know some of the people that uh, stormed the capital are somehow equivalent to the seventy million or whatever that voted for Trump. Right. Uh, that 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 kind of equivalent, and the same is done on the other side. Everybody's uh, it's sort of the. Uh, you know, the 80 or whatever million that voted for Biden are all social justice warriors mm-hmm. and they hate America, right? So I... They hate know, the flag. They hate the flag. Yeah. I mean, one of the, you know, <laughs> one of the things that I do, does bother me about uh, sort of the, I don't know, is it the left or something, is uh, not loving this country unapologetically. Just, I mean, criticizing, but just like loving the incredible th- experiment that this is. And I think... Uh, what I felt in terms of Dan Gable and so on, the the nature of their support for Trump was uh, they were not like rah rah Trump. It's just they're more like rah rah America. Rah rah America. 
Yeah. They, the flags everywhere. Yeah. And it's not, it wasn't also like naive or delusional support for America, like everything America does is right. It's more like, this is an incredible country and I'm proud to be here. And not, this is not beyond criticizing and so on, being against wars and so on, but just being able to say, I love America. Every time I say, I love America, I get, I get private emails is, is like that, uh, private emails and messages, so mess- public messages of support from Trump people. I knew you'd love Trump. Oh, right? God. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, why does saying I love America equate to I love Trump? It doesn't. It's to weird. Me. It's, you could just love this country and be skeptical of all leaders that attain power. It, anybody with power, I think, deserves uh, careful scrutiny. And Trump is certainly one of them. Biden is certainly one of them. But you can still love this country. Like, that's why... I think people that immigrate to this country can appreciate even further, to be honest, because it's like, yeah, it can be really shitty elsewhere. Uh, another way to do that is just by studying history is like that's too much work, too much work. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, coming from Russia, I mean, yeah. the, the, the difference in the freedom here versus there is. Yeah, it's uh, I mean, there's beautiful things about Russia, too, like the, the culturally speaking in, in terms of just like in the struggle of the war i would say it came from the wars the the music the art the poetry the writing the science that came from the world war that impacted russia way more than it did uh, the united states the world war ii i mean tens of millions of people died china russia europe obviously just they had to uh for a century struggle with the biggest existential questions of like good and evil of of losing most of your family to unjust slaughter or starvation in Ukraine in the 1930s, like I mentioned before, my my grandmother survived the uh, something that people don't talk about. They say that Hitler's evil and so on. They don't often highlight the, the evil of Stalin. There's not enough talk about just this, the fact that he imposed uh, just things on the people without any consideration of the suffering that that causes so millions of people dar- starvation, die from starvation cannibalism, cannibalism people are eating their children yeah it's yeah. crazy it's if you a- read the depictions of it you it i've read some stuff that i i, I couldn't continue i couldn't finish because it's so horrific you know um you should have dan carlin back on the podcast by the way but i've been to and you he he's been uh he's like um I don't know. I don't know what's a good metaphor, but he released an episode now like once every year. And it's always like an exciting, it's like Christmas or whatever um, as, as a Jew. I feel weird What is that. he doing most of the time now? Working on the podcast. So he releases this one episode once a year. Well, he doesn't. So he released, I want to say, three or four episodes this year. So it's been a productive year. And tw- you mean 2020, right? Tw- not 2020, sorry. I apologize. Right. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. What we do is not what he does no it's really rude to call what we do a no. podcast no. and call what yeah. he does a podcast yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but he has two and i recommend people listen to it. he has two podcasts one is hardcore history and one is common sense yeah he shut down common sense for a while because he felt too polarized by the too polarized, political yeah. climate right but he released an episode people should listen uh one he got a lot of shit for that was a little bit i think critical of trump but not between the lines not not directly, but he got shit for that before the election was like steering into the iceberg, basically worried 
he's the opposite of me in his level of optimism. But he was worried about where this country's headed. And he released a new episode, uh, I think, Garbage In, Garbage Out, about the, you know, basically making a case for centrism, you know, for center-left, center-right in this country, as opposed to extremes. It's, it's poetic, it's beautiful, people should listen to it. But that it it's done with the same kind of care that he does with the hardcore history. He is, uh, but he did release one extra hardcore history. He inspired me to, um, you mentioned what we do. He inspired me to try to... Uh, do a solo thing uh like an episode on um on hitler <laughs> on uh the rise and fall of the third reich so i've i read a book called uh the rise and fall of the third reich it's this huge volume i recommend uh people read it 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 tells the story of how hitler came to power and f it tells the story from the perspective of the person who was there so it was written in the in uh i want to say 60s and 70s by a person who was a journalist that lived through it. And it's just it's one of the best books on the entirety of the whole the Third Reich project, the how evil came to be. And so I've been trying to for the last two months to do an episode. And I I think it's gonna take another like year. Because it sucks. And it's hard. It's hard work. It's yeah, fascinating. to put together it the way he does. Yeah, the way he very, does. Very difficult. And he's not. He calls. He doesn't call himself a his, historian. So he's got everybody got demons. His demons are like the historians that criticize him for getting something incorrectly. So he feels like he's never going to live up to the accuracy required to uh, sort of be respected by the academic historians. There's also a problem with the academic historians don't like the fact that he's famous for that. Yeah, of course. Yeah. That's always. There's that's, a lot of ego involved. Yeah. In anything academic, right? Yeah, but he's a storyteller, and he's a masterful storyteller. And he's good at abandoning that yeah. that stance, you know, and saying, you know, being self-deprecating and saying he's not a not a historian. Yeah, so he's obsessed with uh, Alexander the Great. He wants to do a whole oh. series on Alexander the Great, which is probably one of the most badass sort of uh, conquerors conquerors in history. I think Tyson was obsessed with Alexander yeah. the Great. Yeah. Uh, Genghis Khan too. So obviously he did an amazing job with Genghis Khan. That and Wrath of the Khans is the greatest historical thing yeah. I've ever listened to in my life. Yeah. <laughs> and eventually he says he wants to try Hitler, but mm. it's that one is uh, I struggle I struggle with that one because I think it's the most useful to understand because it's so modern. It's uh, useful. F I feel like Hitler is a really interesting person to study in the context of Stalin as well of communism, of fascism, the economic systems, how depression in the United States leads to that kind of, uh, uh, leads eventually to violence, to conflict and violence, how a charismatic leader can take control of a populace. There's so much about human nature that you can learn from there that feels more directly relevant to us now than maybe even like Alexander the Great. Mm. It just feels like there's a lot of lessons. What was the criticism about the Trump episode? The Trump episode, so steering into the iceberg, I think it's the episode is called. I think the the nature of the criticism was that uh, Trump uh, magnified the division, which ultimately shut down the ability of people of having nuanced conversations and to be able to reason. And whenever you D destroy reason you're not able to do what uh you're not make it able to make the decisions that kind of keep this country great you know to uh 
you're not able to think clearly, like grounded in, um, in, in, uh, like a, a deep, real, humble understanding of reality. You're more focused on the division. So you construct sort of narratives about the other side that they're evil somehow, and you go into this battle. This isn't just Twitter, this is everywhere. And so his argument was that this kind of process, once it uh, gets going, you're going to have a charismatic leader that takes over, like Trump or somebody else, that then is going to make it worse and worse and worse. There's too much incentive to make it worse, and that's going to ultimately lead us to destroy this nation yeah, that was great. It's a different kind of mania than what grabbed Germany when Hitler took over. It's a different kind of mania because of social media and because there's just there's too many too much information, there's too many competing ideas for it to be uh, the same sort of situation. But I think people were really worried because that, what happened with Hitler in World War II is, we would like to think that's outside of what's possible today. But I don't think we really believe that. I think deep down in our hearts, we know that a charismatic leader with all of the wrong intentions, with all of the right things lining up in terms of the economy falling apart, in terms of the uh, the, the the lack of the lack of uh, patriotism uh, in general, or a feeling of insecurity by the nation, and then all of a sudden they get they get exhumed, they get risen from the dead by some charismatic person who can talk people into doing wild shit. And I think we saw a little bit of that with the storm in the Capitol. When he said you have to be strong, it's a show of force. So when I, when I saw that, I was like, oh, Jesus Christ. Like those words, and there's a real question of whether or not those words were inciting and whether or not it's uh, what he did was illegal. Uh, I don't know. I'm not a lawyer, obviously. That, the, but the rhetoric, that kind of rhetoric, yeah. rhetoric, like you have to show strength. It's one of the, what did it, what did it exactly did Trump say? Because he said something along the lines of you can't be weak, you have to be strong, you have to show. They need to show a force or something like that. Yeah, that, that's a really good point because I have to read his words exactly. Because every time I read his words, they don't on paper. They don't sound as dramatic as I think. As they're being reported on, right? Sometimes you got to like look at it again. Well, you also have to. Speaking of Hitler, you have to listen to the 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 delivery too. Oh, and yeah. I don't think, I think people should. Uh, I think BBC did a really nice program on Hitler on the charisma of Hitler. He had he, way better meth. The, the the drugs are just <laughs> the best. The Nazi Germany had the best. There's a really good book on uh, the drugs that fueled the Nazi regime. I feel like. Damn it, I wish I remembered the title. But it's a book entirely about all the drugs that they loved that fuel that entire war, the entire regime. And uh, it's it's probably, a, can you, you know, we don't talk about it often. Is like you could probably attribute most of the Nazi regime to just really good drugs. You could, a lot of it, like legitimately. <laughs> like one of the thought, there was uh, apparently, there was, God, I wish I remember who told me this. But there was a moment where Hitler was supposed to meet Mussolini. 
and he was apparently just like broken down. He was completely exhausted. I can't remember. Jamie, do you remember who brought this up no, on the like podcast? I even tried to look it up before, and I couldn't find it, so I don't remember who told us so the story. Someone told us the story where Hitler was going to meet Mussolini, and Hitler was just, just beyond exhausted. And they pump him full of testosterone yeah. and cocaine. Yeah. They injected cocaine into him and testosterone. And he meets Mussolini and he just starts ranting. <laughs> he just fucking corners him and coke talks at him for like five hours. And Mussolini was ready to back out of the war. Mussolini's like, what are we doing? Why are we doing this? <laughs> and, yeah. and Hitler just fucking berates him until he, he gives up and he, he goes along with it. Well, so there's a really interesting relationship with Mussolini. But Mussolini was always on board. He was like, but can we just not do this whole thing you're doing? Like, do we need to go to war? <laughs> but he was, they were kind of buds. Uh, and he was able to convince them. So that's an interesting set of conversations that people should look at. The really interesting set of conversations is between uh, Hitler, Chamberlain. Uh, so between Hitler, Britain, and France. And uh, my favorite part is when it was France, Britain, and Czechoslovakia. So in the very early days. And Hitler was just, it's clear to me, there's an element of like Jeffrey Epstein style smoothness and charisma that in the room he was able to convince people that he ultimately wants peace. And at the same time, there's this moment that I really is so dark. Um, it kind of haunts me. I'm not sure exactly. You know, the Jeffrey Epstein thing is a weird comparison because Eric Weinstein says Jeffrey Epstein wasn't smooth at all. I uh, I know that's what Eric says. I Eric, love Eric is very much. far smarter than the average human being. Far smarter to the point where he's not buying anybody's bullshit. And he met with Epstein, and he said right away, he's like, "Well, this is a construct." He's like, "He's an actor. This is a construct. This guy doesn't know what he's talking about." He I, he thought it was a hundred percent bullshit. I love Eric, but uh, and he is indeed brilliant. Uh, probably way smarter than me, but he's also flawed. No. <laughs> like all humans are. What? And I, do, I disagree with him on that one. I, he, well, I, listen. Did you meet Jeffrey Epstein? No, but I've met well, a lot of people did. who met him. Who I, did you meet that met him? Uh, well, just the MIT. So all the scientists, so all like everybody met him. This is the dark thing. All the right. scientists met him. Let me help you out here. Yep. Here's the difference. Here's one of the differences. Yep. First of all, Eric has gotten laid. Yep. It's well, happened before. Yes. He probably got laid a lot when he was younger. Just to clarify, smooth, people. Smooth talker. I have also gotten laid. Congratulations. That's not what Joe is referring to. <laughs> no, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about a lot of these scientists. Oh, yeah. A lot of these scientists, that is their kryptonite. It's not a coincidence that yeah. this allegedly. guy, allegedly, it's yeah. not a coincidence that this guy allegedly involved a huge part of the scientific community. In this crazy thing where he's got a fucking island and he ships off these brilliant minds over there, allegedly, yeah. and introduces them to a lot of these ladies, allegedly. Okay, uh, I mean, sorry. Listen, I, I, I that meant, is the kryptonite. I, I meant allegedly referring to the kryptonite of sex being a kryptonite for scientists. For dorks. For do dorks. Listen, yes, you listen, and I will always disagree on this. But you, you're, disagree. There's, uh, there's no disagreeing. I don't think that we can put all scientists in the group of dorks. But yes, no. there's Can't a lot of dorks. in there. Well, that's why I saw through the bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, listen, okay. that's that's I, a little I hear bit. What you're saying that's conspiratorial. I, I think because to say there's many elements. I think I think what Eric says, which is like uh, he was just uh, a tool of something bigger, is 
that's a problem to me because it removes the, uh, the responsibility of evil from an individual and saying that there's some other evil be- beside in in the darkness. It's it's possible. Well, no, 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 no. He's saying that he's a part of the intelligence community, and that's oh, that's yeah. actually been reported on. Do you know that when he was arrested, the initial arrest, and when they, he was given a very lenient sentence, one of the guys who was involved in that case said it was above my pay grade and that I was told he was a part of the intelligence community. Mm. Now, the word had always been that he was uh, either a Mossad agent or someone along those lines. Now, if you have some of the most brilliant minds in the world and you want to compromise them and you want to and somehow or another get them entangled in your world, there's... Two great steps. I think you need some more of that little yeah, fella. I was going to say, Hold do you want to be... Hold up. I thought you consider yourself a man. You're drinking. What are talking about? Not sufficient. I already drank it. No, I, I finished. No, I know. I finished mine we before should, you, we pussy. Should, we should have another one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what That's, I was saying is, yeah. if you wanted to compromise... Cheers, sir. Cheers. Good to see you, man. Good to see Legitimately. you. Legitimately. Really. Always. Really good to see you here. As I try to talk you into moving to Texas. <laughs> Um, there's two, two ways you would compromise the scientific community. One of them being money, right? So he gives them money, funding, yeah. uh, helps them, millions of dollars, right? Donated millions of dollars to various uh, projects, various things they're working on. Two women. Bring yeah. all these scientists together. Um, bring these brilliant guys together with the promise of money for all their projects they're working on. And then you pr- bring them to an island. And they say, hey, everything's fine here. Don't worry about it. You know, I got a fucking temple that's uh, painted like the Jewish flag, I, the Israeli I, flag. I have faith that scientists have more integrity than that, but... But it's not a matter of integrity. Like, everything was above board. If they don't know what he's doing, and they're innocent, right? Then They haven't done anything wrong, and he's giving them money and taking pictures with them. Just simply by taking pictures with him, they're... they're oh, they're compromised, you're yeah, saying? Yeah. I see. Okay, I thought you meant like, like say there was a beautiful young lady here, and, and then she was tasked with uh, escorting me around to show how wonderful Texas is. All you is, have so to do is here. have photographs with you it, and uh, this beautiful com- young the lady. The compromise. Yes. Now I do not know what happened, obviously, because I wasn't there. Yeah. But I would imagine that if he was really a part of the intelligence community, there was probably a directive. There was probably something that what they were working on to try to get these people to go along with. Whatever the fuck he was doing. But see, to me, that those are both different flavors of evil. Both of them are not good. But okay, so... But the intelligence community has always done that. They have always compromised people with sex. And they've always compromised people with money. This, this, this is standard. You know, I've directly talked to people who were in the CIA who would describe methods that they would use to compromise individuals. Wait, wait so is this... Could the scientists have done something to avoid it? It's hard because if they don't know, right, they're, they're promised funding, and then you have other scientists that are also going to be there. Hey, this guy's going right. to be there. Hey, you got that guy. This guy won you know, this prize, and he's going to be there. And this guy's from MIT. He's going to be there. And you're like, yeah. well, that would be a fun party. Yeah. You know, let's go. Well, why, Should I bring my wife? <laughs> if Epstein is that, mm-hmm. like why oh, – so there was – I guess actually Eric makes this argument. is like the whole thing that uh, Jeffrey Epstein was a pedophile – was actually a negative in that sense for the if he is a part of like the intelligence community. You know what like, I think? He that the fact that he is a criminal. Sorry to yeah, interrupt. No worries. The fact that he's a criminal is a negative. I interrupted you. Um, I think it is a negative, but I think when you're involved in that much depravity, I think 
you can get compromised. I think it's like a DEA agent who becomes a drug dealer. You know? Yeah. I think when you're around darkness all the time, I mean, that happens a lot where undercover cops become drug dealers. It just happens. They, they, they live in that world for too long, and it just gets in their veins. Well, not saying that he wasn't initially yeah. to begin with, but I mean, who fucking knows? We're we're we're, we're throwing a lot of speculation out but there. Still, but. so I, I try to sort of defend. I have faith science in scientists having integrity, but the getting laid thing is a, is a thing. Like I've, <laughs> I, I I found myself not being affected by, like I really don't like strip clubs, like and and money. I'm not affected by those things. I've actually been attacked in the past for, um, like, who is your funding source? Because I've been supportive of some of the things that Tesla has done. And, like, asking, anytime you're supportive of anything, they ask, like, what's what's your funding you source? you got to stop reading comments. Oh, these aren't comments. Yeah. It's, <laughs> <laughs> I haven't now tat actually tattooed that on, on whatever. It's on, <laughs> uh, no, uh, this is from, like, more, like, legitimate scientists. Yeah, I, 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 I I ignore Legitimate it. Legitimate scientists have attacked you for defending Tesla. Not attacked, but well, yes, yes, because the the argument is that uh, they are creating a product that's deployed out into the wild that can potentially be dangerous. And that I mean auto drive, uh, autopilot, yes. Yeah. So there's there's a lot of there's criticisms of uh, naming that product like uh, autopilot or now it's called full self-driving but do you think that they're like the argument for that would be if autonomous vehicle driving is ultimately one day far safer and most people believe it would be don't you believe it'll be far safer than just manual human operations of vehicles it's complicated but yes most like, likely yeah. if you get to 50 years from now 30 years from now how the fuck do they think it's going to get there without implementing it? How do they, what do you think it's going to impl be implemented completely theoretically well, and not in the wild? Can, can I try to lay it out just yeah. real quick? So I don't know if you're familiar. There's a, there's a place called Phoenix, Arizona. <laughs> and there's a company. It used to be Google Self-Driving Car. They're now called Waymo. That they have deployed what is an autonomous vehicle uh, in Phoenix that, you know, you, it's like an Uber app. You can order it. And he can deliver deliver you or uh, drive you to a bunch of different locations in Phoenix. So it's basically like Uber. No stuff. driver. No drive. So this is the key thing. There's not a driver sitting there not doing anything. Like, there's not a human not doing anything there, supervising. There's, there's no nothing. person in it's the It's trippy. Vehicle. I've gone there just you to try it? it. Yeah, I did it. It's trippy. It'll freak you out. The, you're in the back seat? In the back. You're sitting there in the back seat and letting some asshole robot... Turn the steering wheel for you, and, and then like, Teslas? what if that thing? No, these are these are just like some uh, generic, uh, some crappy. Well, <clears throat> I'll do respect. It's some, <laughs> it's some minivan type of car. It, it is great. It's wonderful. Whatever. This it's, is it. Oh my god, this is madness. But like, when you're in there and it turns the steering wheel, it's like, what if it takes me to my death? Well, who's manufacturing these vehicles? What is that? It looks the, like a Chrysler. Yeah, they might be Chrysler. That's right. It's, it looks like the the steering wheel looks like a Chrysler. Is that correct? Yeah, that I think it's a Chrysler. Is that Pacifica. what it says, Jamie? I, you're right on the Chrysler. I think it's Chrysler Pacifica. Yeah. Okay. Chrysler Pacifica. I didn't even know Chrysler made a driverless car. No, 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 no. This is really important. This is a non-driverless car that Waymo then converts completely. They don't. They just oh. use. Oh. 
like Waymo is the brains of the operation here. So they're Waymo is doing the the radar, uh, uh, the, the lidar on top of you. See that they've changed it. They sexy sexied it up, and there's a bunch of little different sensors around. Oh. It has all the intelligence. It's really cool. Like if you want to taste the future, try this car out. You got a button that says pull over. <laughs> yeah, but the interface because it's a Chrysler Pacifica is like kind of shitty to be honest. It's like very old school. But see, see, see that thing? Like, it shows you what the car is seeing and what it's doing. And me, as a, as a you know, uh, I mean, I, I, I connect with you on the chimp side. We both have the same ancestors. It feels weird to let a robot control your whole life as it's traveling 50 miles an hour in a... Well, I think ultimately this is going to be way safer. Ultimately. No, ultimately, yes. But this is an example. The reason I bring it up, people in the scientific community... And I could see that argument, and I felt that argument, and I partially agree to it, which is this is the safe way to proceed. They, they're, they're slowly, they're mastering Phoenix, Arizona currently. They're like mastering it and slowly growing. Tesla Autopilot is like, we're going to deploy this uh, autopilot technology to the entire world, mm. to I don't hundreds of thousands of people. I don't use the autopilot. Is there, you I have, have a, it. I don't use it. Jamie, do you use yours? I did it once felt gnarly i've used it with my wife just to like freak her out like watch this baby i did on a windy ass road too with <laughs> cars coming at me two-way road oh my god did you i kept my hand on the wheel the whole time yeah. and a couple times it would just like i didn't even realize it gave it back to me mm. the question is i don't know why but have you taken a, a long road trip that was 20 miles 30 yeah. miles that's as long as it was though yeah so that's a good cool. move right if you're taking a long road yeah. trip because you could just chill and yeah chill just, on the highway yeah that that's where people get the benefit of it yeah well i used to take it home from the comedy store when i was tired so like i'd be there hanging out and it'd be like 1 30 in the morning i'd be tired i love that then just i'd get on the 101 and just let it ride was it energizing or at the uh, store tiring no 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 um relaxing. letting a car was just relaxing where i can just just hold on the wheel and pay attention to the road a little bit, yeah. but not like I am if I'm driving you think so? a sports car. You think you're paying attention less? I think so. Oh, sport, well, a sports car is different. You mean like yeah. a sports car driven at a fast speed? One of the surprising things to me is that it seems that people are a little bit more alert when they turn on autopilot. So this idea that you become more detached from the road was counterintuitive. Like That's what I thought would happen, but it seems like people are less... They're, they become more alert. They become less... Kind of dis- weirded out by the fact they're doing it. So like, oh. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, it, it's But the point is there's a lot of open questions from a human psychology perspective. And that's where the scientific community speaks up. Like, Elon seems to be going full steam ahead. Yeah. And he's doing the... Well, one of the really cool things, I don't know if you're paying attention to this, but they're really deploying the full self-driving beta Uh technology so like it's now able to for the people in the beta program uh the fsd beta program they're able it's able to like take left turns right turns stop mm-hmm. at the light yeah do the actually take you from point a to point b fully autonomously except the liability is still with you you're supposed to always pay attention and this is another public uh what is it service announcement service announcement always pay attention to the road if you I ha- I bought that and I never had it installed It was one of those things where I was in my car and was like would you like to order that I'm like okay so Elon's going to be it. mad at you I'm just kidding <laughs> No I, I just I, I have to bring it somewhere that's the problem Yeah I thought I could just download it 
But you got to bring it somewhere. Oh, because your car needs to be modified in yeah. order to support it. Yeah. yeah. Whatever the new thing is that, that, that I paid for, because <laughs> they keep emailing me. <laughs> the cool, uh, the cool, the, the, both the pro and the con of the way Tesla does things is that they're constantly improving things. And yeah. some of those are in the hardware. So sometimes you have to like go and get your car modified yeah. and upgraded in order yeah. to support that kind of stuff. I I think I think it's incredibly exciting. I, I think it's one of the things I've changed my mind on is uh, the ability of cars to drive fully autonomously. I don't think as soon as Elon says, but I think very soon. When do you think it'll be? It's hard to make... Uh, we should tell everybody that you, you actually have a background in AI, yeah, so you really yeah. do... You're not talking out of your ass like me. Yeah. I'm a, <laughs> well, uh, my side gig is being uh, uh, an expert in uh, Con Conor McGregor fights, drinking whiskey, and... Uh, no. Yeah, no, I worked on autonomous vehicles for a long time. I still work on autonomous vehicles. Uh, yeah, so... And I'm deep in the scientific community. And one of the only people who is appreciative of what Elon is doing and of what the entirety of the robotic community is doing. One but, of the only people? Yeah, they this it's it's uh it's Apple versus Android. It like the scientists are very I think it's jealousy to be honest. I like both. I have an Android phone too. You do? Yeah, yeah. I do. I have a I, note. I think this is a metaphor for the division that ultimately creates progress. Uh but I think the Apple Android is a good analogy. Yeah. Because there's a weirdness to yeah. there's a weirdness to the Android people. They're the resistance. Yeah. Like I'm hanging in there. Okay, I don't give a fuck, bro. We should all use Signal. Yes, all you right. sh <laughs> legitimately should all use Signal. Signal is amazing. And I, I use Signal <laughs> on my iPhone. Yeah. I use Signal with a lot, a lot of my friends. I, I use Signal on my Android phone. There's like a threshold I'm waiting for that people like switch. A lot people of people are switching. I talked to Moxie from uh, from Signal, one of the guys who created it. He was, he'd been on the podcast in the yeah, past. Yeah, that's right. How do you say his last name? Maplethorpe? Marlon Marlon Spike Marlon Spike I remember oh, <laughs> I'm yeah. thinking of Robert Mablethorpe the artist Marlon Spike Moxie's amazing he's a really interesting guy and uh, completely altruistic intentions not trying to make any money yeah. off of Signal and he said that when Elon was telling people to use Signal something happened and Signal literally gained the amount of users of a small country in like a couple of days. Like, because they had an outage uh, a couple, a few days ago. Uh, Signal did, and I, I talked to Moxie about it because I sent him a message about something where there, there was these, um, there was an article that was demonizing Signal. And this, it was really disturbing to me because they, they were demonizing Signal and demonizing, let me find it because uh, I'll, I'll send it to you, Jamie. Because it was, um, they were demonizing Signal and they were demonizing encryption, and uh, they were saying that it's a tool of um, the the people that stormed the Capitol and this kind of shit. I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? You so it, it was this weird like plea to Big Brother to look in on everybody and to make sure that everything's okay. It oh, was wow. a very disturbing well, thing. I think a lot of people that got. I'd love to hear your opinions actually on Parler. There are a lot of people that move to Signal as a place to try to communicate with each other when like all the platforms are banning just a bunch of different accounts, different. Uh, it's really unfortunate, man, because I see both sides. I really do, and I know some people don't. I'm gonna send this to you, Jamie. And some some people don't see both sides. Um, I really do see both sides. I I don't think that most people are doing this because they want to support 
some sort of uh, gigantic government overreach a la NSA, Edward yeah. Snowden exposed stuff. I think most people do worry that these kind of things will escalate. Now, what we saw, the attack of Capitol Hill will keep going. Millions flock to Telegram. So, so this is something that Glenn Greenwald uh, posted. Millions flock to... That's okay. Millions flock to Telegram and Signal as fears grow over big tech. But go back to what Glenn said, because Glenn, what Glenn had a really good point. He said, three journalistic units most devoted to demanding online censorship are CNN's media reporters, NBC's disinformation team, and New York Times tech reporters. Here's the letter laying the groundwork for making encrypted apps, Signal, and Telegram the next targets. And scroll down to his next tweet, please. He said, when the internet and encryption proliferated in the 1990s, the Clinton administration seized the Oklahoma City bombing to demand backdoor access to all encryption. Bush and Obama used 9-11 to radically expand internet surveillance. Now it's CNN, NBC, New York Times journalists who take the lead. And there's a whole stream of, it's from January 15th from Glenn Greenwald, who's a, an, an amazing follow on uh, Twitter and a, just a fantastic journalist. But his uh, take on it is accurate. You got to be really careful when people are calling for uh, the, the denouncing encryption, privacy. Yeah. You should be able to th say things privately between each other. Yeah. There's no fucking reason why anybody should know what you're saying to me. And the way you text most of the time, SMS with your wacky fucking Android device, that is the least in the least private way. OnePlus Pro 7. Oh, is that a new one? Galaxy. No, it's not that new, but Galaxy S21, uh, best phone on gonna, the market. Are you going to get the Galaxy S21? Is that what you're going to get? Probably. I, it, it looks so sexy. I don't it know. It does. Yeah. The Ultra looks very sexy. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I wasn't... I don't know what to think. You're right. I'm, I'm, I'm personally torn about the whole banning of all these different accounts of social media. The one that really hit me was uh amazon i don't know if you're paying attention to this but amazon removing parlor from yes. aws yeah that it feels like that created a worse world a more dangerous world because there's a difference to me than banning accounts on twitter which is also very complicated but it's like the difference between making banning the ability to make a phone call like the ability of like banning your number blocking your number versus banning your ability to make a phone call at all when the actual infrastructure based on which your apps operate is now putting its finger on the scale of who succeed and not mm. now that starts affecting capitalism that means twitter can't have a competitor that's like that has the conspiracy theorists that has the the people that are allowed to say crazy shit about Jeffrey Epstein not killing himself or something. I don't, know. I don't think that's crazy. <laughs> the what that's some people might think is crazy, right? Do you, do you think it's crazy? <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> what do you think? If you had all your money and you had, you had to put it on red or black, you had to put it on he didn't kill himself or he did kill himself. Red or black. Uh, I'm pushing all my chips on he didn't kill himself. Yeah, I would. I would. Uh, but see, I feel like you would be more excited by the push. I would be just sadly pushing towards he didn't kill himself. Oh, you feel like I have, I'm, I have a problem with the way I look at things. <laughs> <laughs> I'm judging. <laughs> Why would I be more excited? Do you think I do you think I favor chaos over you? Uh, well, I got 
enough chances to interact with Michael Malice to where you're not even close to that side of the spectrum. <laughs> no. He gets excited. He, he gets... doesn't have any children. That's right. Yeah, that's I have right. children. I have three daughters, and that's, you know, You've females, let... the most vulnerable. Jocelyn Maxwell hearing illegally streamed by apparent QAnon followers. <laughs> they broke in and said there's 14,000 people watching illegally. But here's the thing, man. Fucking everybody who does something like that now is a QAnon follower. It's the greatest way to dismiss people yeah. ever. Yeah. Because you just, like like you were talking, Jamie and I were talking before the podcast about uh, these uh, hilarious threads of these QAnon followers realizing they've been had and like saying, you know, I can't believe Biden's the president. And, and then there's some really dumb ones who think Biden is in on the QAnon conspiracy and he's helping. Whoa, and that's that, another level. Oh, it's all nonsense, right? It's just the... It's literally the most unsophisticated minds trying to interpret things and looking for secrets that they can uncover. Yeah. So it's like it's really crude, bumbling, and you see these guys with like flannel shirts on where their bellies are poking out and the yeah. buttons are stretching because they're so fat. And they're like, Q has told us that this is that and that is this. And so what's going to happen is it's a setup and Trump has got them all locked up and everything has been blockchained and blah. And they and there's so many people that buy into all this shit, and it's it's weird to watch. It's weird to watch it all play out. But it's the same thing as Bigfoot. Yeah. It's the same thing. Yeah. It's the same intention as people who are channeling aliens from Beta Reticuli. It's the same fucking thing. Yeah. It's people that want to pretend they have some secret information because their life is boring as fuck yeah. and they want to spice it up with some secret intel on the US government by Q and Q has got he's got he they know they know what's happening and it's easy to get sucked into that just like it's easy to get sucked into channeling it's easy to get sucked into psychics and and card readers and 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 Bigfoot and all that stuff it's easy to get sucked into believing that someone has this really exciting secret they know some things that other people don't know. Well, that, but there's so many secrets that are fa that are fascinating and they're closer to the truth. Like a lot of science has a lot of secrets. Oh to be yeah, unlocked. and sure. I would say, I mean, you're you're at the forefront of revealing some of the things on the alien side. that are like, oh, I got more coming. I got more coming. Oh shit. I got a lot more people coming. I've been doing like an alien interview once every month. Yeah, hell like yeah. With uh, I UFO I interviews. Love it. Some of them, like, uh, so the Avi Loeb guy. That's, oh. I mean, Thank he, you very much, by the way, for recommending him. And, and He's legit. So people oh, should yeah. check him out. In the key, so outside of aliens, this the same thought mindset he has, he applies to a lot of questions in science. His thoughts about black holes are really interesting. People should really follow... He's brilliant. He's, he's a brilliant dude. Brilliant. He's a brilliant so dude. when a guy like him is saying that this interstellar object that travels faster by far, by more than twice of yeah. any comet or any asteroid that we've ever observed, that is coming away from the sun, not affected by the sun's gravity, yeah. that is, is uh, 10 times more reflective than any other object we've ever observed, that uh, one of the things that Jeremy Corbell sent me is that uh, it appears that it like it's commonly depicted that that object Amuamua is a uh, cigar shaped cigar shaped. It's most likely flat, like Jeremy said. Yeah, Jeremy said it's like a disc. That's what obviously. And it's says from too. his book. Yeah, it's from his book. So the things that people have, uh, the way they've described it, I'll try to find Jeremy's. Uh, he yes, he, most likely the reflectivity suggests that it's 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 uh, most likely to be a, a disc. disc. Yeah. 
which of course, is pretty Jeremy amazing. says flying saucer like. Of right, course he does. <laughs> this is from uh, um, Avi's book. The likelihood of a Muamua being disshaped was about ninety-one percent. So that was that's like artistic interpretations based on the idea that it was a, an object like a rock, but he says that it's flat. See, I, I tend to believe cigar isn't what I would go with on that. Cigar shape. What do you think? A shit? Yeah. A turd. Yeah, it looks like a, a flying turd. turd. Definitely. Yeah. This is a kid's show, Jamie. How did it say it? I, <laughs> but you know what, man? I think this is, this is I'm going to go way out here. This thing that people have where they want to believe in Q or they want to believe in aliens or they want to believe in Bigfoot, they want to find these secrets. I think this is ultimately the reaching for the branch. This is, this is a call to psychic powers. And I think ultimately that's that's what we're trying to develop as human beings. And I think it's taking many, many, many generations. And I think the the evolution of human communication through grunts and and, and gestures all the way up to sounds, all the way up to complicated computer code and various languages. I think that what we are doing is trying to evolve human communication, whether it's through biology or whether it's through technology, to the point where there are no secrets. And I think that's coming. And I don't think it's going to be uh, as far off in the future as many people think. And I think Elon and this, this Neuralink shit, this is, these are the, the first warning shots of this symbiotic relationship that we're going to have with technology that allows us to read each other's minds. And this is what I've been saying for a while, that I think this is, this is the future of human beings. I think the future of human beings is the thing that's going to save us. We're going we're gonna to realize that we're in this massive conflict between lies and truth and encryption and disinformation and propaganda and, and uh, uh, these f fucking crazy conspiracy theorists and all these people that you know are alt-right and white supremacists and you know is are the proud boys evil or was it all just a joke what what what's the truth i want to know the truth because the fucking mainstream media does not have a vested interest in telling you the truth they have a vested interest in telling you whatever the fuck they should tell you that's going to make the most people around them happy and sell the most clicks and get them the most views and so we've got a conflict. We've got a massive conflict. Two polarized sides, right and left, red and blue. No one knows how to get out of this okay. No one knows. The way to get out of this okay, the way we get out of this is we can clearly see everyone's intentions. And maybe some people that you thought were bad are not bad. Maybe they're really good. And maybe some people you thought were good were really bad. They're just playing on the heartstrings of what's the common consensus of what you're supposed to say. What pronouns are you supposed to use? What are the words you're supposed to utter? What are the things that you're supposed to repeat? Yeah. There's a lot of really bad actors out there that are playing upon these cultural narratives that may not be, they, 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 they might be sociopaths, but they're saying the things you can say publicly, privately, people know. Privately, people are terrified. Privately, people are like, she's fucking crazy. <laughs> like, I can't believe she got to where she got. I can't. Do you know what she did? Do you know who she is? Do you know who her uncle is? Do you know who her grandfather is? Right. Do you know what the fucking, the, 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 the family history of these demons from hell? <laughs> like, this is a lot of people talking this. But yeah. publicly, they'll espouse yeah. woke scripture. And, and they'll, they'll say, it is dark. The yeah. way out of it is to read each other's minds. 
that's the way out of it. Well, I, I think I, I love the picture you paint of like reaching for branches and everybody's yeah. reaching for different branches. I, I think on the path to reading each other mind, reading each other's minds, there's going to be a lot of technologies that allow you to read each other's minds in more subtle ways before it's like full on waterfall, Neuralink, just. Yeah. I, I think that's what social media does. We can reach each other's minds. There's, a, I mean, it, we're all struggling with this, and I think, I think, uh, despite the media and all that, everybody is just like the alien folks uh, are reaching for the little di different branches, and underlying that is ultimately like a curiosity and an optimism, and that's how we got to where we are today. It's just like chimps being. Uh, you know, the sense of apes, but it, it starts with bacteria. It's just like reaching, always reaching for the next branch, like hopeful. Yeah. Because yeah. like most of life is kind of shitty <laughs> and you're always trying to reach out and make a better life. And it's gotten better and better and better and better because of that kind of reaching. That's what Elon does with his crazy thoughts about, first of all, landing on Mars and then colonizing Mars and colonizing other planets. It seemed crazy at the time. But because of that kind of reaching, 100 years from now, uh, several hundred years from now, it'll be ridiculous to think that obviously we would not be colonizing this solar system and even other solar systems. And that kind of thinking then, tr then trans that moves to robots, AI. Yeah. I, I don't know if you saw. <laughs> I, okay. Uh, I was trying to bring Spot here. Uh, no, today. yeah, <laughs> I'll fucking shoot it. <laughs> exactly, I'll shoot that dog. Uh, good that luck. robot spot is a for. I would never shoot a real dog. It's a robot dog, folks. I love oh, it's dogs. not real to you. No, not yet. Robot Maybe one day it will be. Matter. You met my dog. You met Marshall. Yes. No, yes. I. Did you no. meet him? God damn it! I was gonna bring him here today, uh, but in the confusion of trying to find my suit yeah. and get to the dry cleaner and all I, that jazz, it was a real problem. I'm honored. I, I think the world would love to see a <laughs> suit. I was gonna. Yeah. But I can't wear regular collars. Yeah, no, that's right. It has to be custom yes. made. So uh, I have this David August custom suit for this fucking gorilla <laughs> neck I have. <laughs> that uh, developed. The iron neck, man. Do you use that yet? Yeah, you've uh, you showed it to me. Yeah, you don't have one yet. No, I'll I get you one. one. I'll get you one. I'd love that yeah. actually. Uh, they actually was... just reached out to me because me talking about it so much has blown their company up. They asked me to, if anybody needs one, anybody wants one. Do a lot of uh, like bridges. I used to. Try no, no, no don't do that. No, 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 no. That's how Mike Tyson fucked his neck up. Bridges. The problem with bridges is you're putting all this weight on those discs. The thing about I the see. iron neck is when you have this halo on and this bungee cord. Mike Jolly, the guy who invented it, was a fucking gigantic NFL player. It was it was so intimidating meeting him. I'm like, hi. <laughs> He's so much bigger than me. And uh, you pull the cord. The cord is a 50 pound bungee, and then you have this halo around your head that has a, a, a you can change the resistance. And so you go. But you're never doing this. So yeah. this is how people fuck their necks up. They fuck, fuck their necks up by putting an unnatural load on those like discs. A compression. Yeah, well, a compression and just a strain on the, the disc itself, and it causes herniations. Yeah. By keeping everything in alignment but just twisting. operating against resistance, you never put pressure on those discs. I've had a tremendous result with it. I talk about it. I mean, I don't have any interest in the company. I don't own any of it. They've never paid me. I, I talk about it openly. Do, you, tr often. do you try to get like reps like once a week or something like I that? I do it twice a week. Twice a week? Yeah, I do it twice a week. Yeah, but I do once a week pretty light. And But I do a lot of other neck stuff too. 
a lot of trap stuff. There's a lot, a lot of cleans and presses which work your traps. You know. Yeah, there's a lot of like little maintenance work like that. For, I felt like you have to study your own body, like what kind of shit gets you in trouble. Like I used to, uh, and not used to, I still do, uh, train wrist stuff. Mm. This, how, how do I put this where people are not going to be like? Yeah, jerk off, jerks. yeah, jerk off, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, uh, that because wrist I, curls, uh, wrist curls. So I get I get in trouble with wrists. The shoulders is a huge problem. So you mentioned knees. Shoulders mm-hmm. is a huge problem for me. So I use bands. I recommend it highly. Just bands to do all kind. There's all kinds of movements you can do on the shoulder. Have you had shoulder problems? Like overuse problems, not major like shit broke problems yet. Except you get MRIs? for. Not yet. No. So you don't know if you broke anything. No, but the Goggins thing. This is why I'm preparing. Like, uh, cue the uh, Rocky, uh, Rocky music, because because of Goggins, I did this challenge where I did twenty thousand push-ups and pull-ups, twenty-five thousand. The that's when the shoulder was like, oh shit. Yeah, okay. the problem is the tendons. They tendons, don't yeah. want the tendons. Don't want that. And the overuse injuries. There's yeah. a there's a fine line between. This idea of 40%, like people quit at 40%, pushing past that, but also having irreparable physical damage to your body. You sound like a pussy, sir. Yeah, I do. I do. I sound like a guy who's had his knees reconstructed. <laughs> like this, this, There's a certain level. Weakness gets us all, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Age and love. Yeah, for sure. You have daughters sure. and... Also, just... um, knowing what you're physically capable of doing versus um, not doing that because you don't want your body to break. The thing is, we all die one day. Mm-hmm. And you, but do you want to be Dan Gable, walking around in your garage with bad hips and bad knees and doing curls with rusty weights? Maybe you do. I th- I uh, Maybe I th- you do. I think he lived a hell of a life. That's I'd like to high-five him and then go fucking take a nap. <laughs> uh that's almost poetry i don't know that's that's definitely the choice you make i mean you make that choice in all kinds of um, aspects of life like I, I make preservation choices when it comes to my body i do i do make preservation choices because i think um you you i look i i love david i love david goggins and i love my friend cam haynes who, who does basically the same kind of shit maybe even more extreme cam haynes is in better yeah. shape He's more crazy in a lot of ways. He just doesn't have the same kind of publicity that David does. He screams but a little bit less, but he runs like he a marathon. He doesn't scream at all. <laughs> yeah, he'll run a marathon a day. And, yeah. you know, he'll regularly do 100-mile runs and regularly do, I mean, he's run the Moab 240, the Bigfoot 200. He's done some fucking crazy shit. I've, I've You know, Cam's an unusual human being. And uh, he's also older than David, you know. But, oh, yeah? yeah. Oh, he looks he's young. He's my age. Cam's my age. Interesting. Yeah. He, he's vibrant. He's like super... Works a full full fucking eight hours a day every, yeah. t- every day. Yeah. Works for the Oregon Department of Water and Power. Puts in his fucking... Punches a clock every day. And puts his time on the bow and all yeah. that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah. Every day. No, he's... Got a good father. I think he's got a kid, right? He's got three kids. Yeah. And one of them is a ranger. And uh, the, the, the other one broke David Goggins' pull-up record. Yep. Yeah, savages, raising savages, and he's got a beautiful daughter too, who's brilliant. Yeah. He's a man. I mean, yeah. he's he's the fucking man. But you know, these he stays injury free. Sorry to interrupt. So he's to the point of preservation. He's 
he's a weird one, man. He doesn't make any sense. Like, I don't know how his knees aren't trashed. Like, David's, they're pulling out giant syringes. Like, we were yeah. highlighting it on the podcast with The Undertaker, how they're pulling out these giant syringes of pus yeah. from Goggins' knees. I don't, I don't know how he keeps going with those knees. Cam doesn't have those problems. Like, one time I had to bring him to the doctor. We were in Vegas. We went for the fights, and he had something fucked up with his foot. It turned out he had a stress fracture. Didn't even stop running. Didn't even stop running when he had a stress fracture. <laughs> He's a different. He he on purpose constructs situations where others, including himself, thinks that this is a bad idea and pushes through it. Oh, Not, dude! Uh, every day. Well, here's another thing: the bow hunting community doesn't know what to do with him. They they there's 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 people in the bow hunting community that don't like what he does because he he works out so hard. Here's the thing. When you see Cam Haynes, you see a guy who's like this fitness endurance athlete, but that's deceiving because although he is those things, he is those things to be the best bow hunter, bow hunter yeah. on earth. And he makes a there's a real argument that he's the greatest bow hunter of all time. Like if, if you ask me, I'm, I love him to death, but if I wasn't his friend and I was on the outside looking at him and I'm like, who's the greatest bow hunter of all time? Like, it might be Cam Haynes. Like, there's a real argument. Like, there's a couple of guys in the running. John Dudley's in the running. Fred Bear is the legend. There's a few of these guys, these, these like, legendary bow hunters. But this guy is so successful, like, insanely successful every year. Every year in the most difficult pursuit. It's really hard to be successful bow hunting elk in the mountains. It's hard. He's successful every year. And he pulls a 90-pound bow. Now, you can't even buy a 90-pound bow from most bow companies. They won't make you one. But he, he fucking strong-arms them into making him a 90-pound bow. So all these other bow companies, or all these other bow hunters, rather, a few of them that are kind of butthurt and jealous, are mad that he is telling people he has a 90-pound bow. Yeah. My question is, do you think you are as strong as him? And if you don't... What do you give a fuck if he's pulling 90 pounds right. and you're pulling 70 pounds? Are we trying to pretend that we're all the same strength? Yeah. Are we trying to pretend? Because that seems silly to me because I know a lot of really fucking strong people that are way stronger than me. I don't want to pretend that I'm the same strength as them. And if I found out there was a guy out there that pulls a 150-pound bow, but he's like built like The Undertaker and he weighs 300 pounds, I'd go, oh, okay, that makes sense. That's like me pulling... Uh, you know, a 90-pound bow or a 100-pound bow. That would be easy for me. But for him, a 150-pound bow would probably be just as easy because he's fucking giant. Yeah. Cam Haynes is working out every day. You, you got a problem with him pulling a 90-pound bow. You don't really have a problem with that. Your, your problem is with yourself. Yeah. Your problem is that you know you can't really do that. And it bothers people. So there's this weird ego thing in the bow hunting world where they get upset at him. Yeah. Because he's a legitimate psycho. Because he literally does get up, literally does get up at four o'clock in the morning, yeah. run in the rain in the dark, puts in a half a marathon before work, goes to work, puts in another ten miles at, during lunchtime. He's a, a real psycho. Yeah, and I like Goggins. the The way he's in, inspiration to me, at least, is in how easy he makes it look. Smiles. How, the whole he's time. just smiles and just Stoic. he's just nice. Yeah, this this just nice human. Stay yeah. hard. There's none of that. None of that. None, none of that. Stay hard. Have a good hard. day, everybody. He's out there running. <laughs> so in some sense, I don't, I, I don't uh, follow uh, David um, uh, Kane's say, 
I'm, Cam, is, Cam Haynes. Cam, Cam Haynes. That's that whiskey That's talking. That's that whiskey talking. One, two uh, drinks. Is because he doesn't get me as pumped up. He's just an example I'd love to live up to. Yeah. It's, there's something about the David Goggins of just like, listen, motherfucker. Yeah. You know, that, that. You gotta look at your demons. Yeah. Make them your bitch. <laughs> it wakes you. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's, he's much more out, outwardly inspirational. Yeah. Because he, he. You know, he takes um, a lot of pleasure in pumping people up. There's a beautiful... So he's got... I think she's a girlfriend, but she might be a wife. I'm, I apologize if I don't know. Dave's this. wife? His yeah. wife? Yeah, it's his she, wife. She, yeah. Got, okay. So they have... She's more and more becoming part of his like Instagram thing. And there's <laughs> just like this magical... In terms of a relationship moment where she's filming him for his Instagram. They're supposed to go out to dinner or something, like a nice thing. And he Is that when he's doing push ups? He's doing push ups, yeah. In a puddle of sweat on the yeah. carpet. <laughs> that is the most just like there's a romantic element of just like this is what I have to live with. But I also love this man from her perspective. And also there's this uh picture of like Goggins who's like, I don't give a fuck. I'm getting these push ups in. Um and he's he didn't really plan it. He's just He's just there in the corner. He's like almost like, why are you filming me right now? Just let me deal with so my demons. Look at this guy right here. I'm surprised he has a bed. <laughs> <laughs> he's shaking his arms out while he's doing these fucking push-ups. <laughs> and like with that time limit, I know what that feels like. Push-ups my wife be and a I had dinner with him and his wife. Yeah. And uh, a couple other folks uh, after UFC. Yeah, uh, the the Vegas one. Yeah, pre pandemic, before uh, before all the shit went down, yeah. and she was like, "He's he's nice. He's normal. He eats bread." That's what she kept saying. <laughs> My wife is like, "He eats bread." She thought he'd be like fucking fire breathing demon, but no. he's fun. Like he's a fun guy. I've I've hung out with him a bunch of times. So he, just get, he just gets the work done. He just gets yeah. drops down yeah. to the push ups and that. Well, you know, he knows that, you know, there's my expression, conquer your inner bitch. Yeah. He knows he's got an inner bitch. And, you know, he goes, he goes, it ain't easy. Sometimes I look at my sneakers and I stare at those motherfuckers for a half hour before I put them on. Yeah. <laughs> but just that admission that this is not, he's not a robot, but he, he gets everything a robot does done. You know, he can do it like as if he was like, he pushes his mind to do things that the body does not want to do. So he almost, in some ways, behaves like a robot, but the value, one of the values in Dave, multiple values in Dave, one of the values is that he lets you know that he's not a robot. He lets you know that he's got that little bitch inside of him talking to him. Yeah, he's, uh, I've, I've gotten the fortune to actually interact with him on the kind of the struggle side of things, and he's definitely still, it's not an act. No. He's still personally struggling with some shit. Oh, He's yeah. working through it. Oh, yeah. yeah. And he gets angry in certain kinds of ways that's like, oh, shit. Like, so, so, so me, like, for example, going out and running with him, there's this, uh, the, you know, the movie Casino? <laughs> it's this badass movie with Robert De Niro and Joe Pesci uh, and uh, Sharon Stone, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And they meet out. Uh, James Rob Woods, too. Oh, James shit. Woods is Sharon Stone's pimp. Oh, that's right. Good memory. That's a badass one. God, I miss movies like that. That's another one. My, my wife loves that movie. Yeah, it has. I mean, it has. I've everything. seen that movie multiple times. Yeah. against my will. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you don't like that one? No, I do. I like it. Is I this like a she... scent of a woman situation? No, it's like um, 
there's certain movies that like I've watched John Wick maybe a hundred times. Yeah, you did. Like legitimately. Yeah. I've Not that great of a movie. Just shut that. your fucking hole, you <laughs> Russian traitor. You're wearing a John Wick uniform. There's, Listen, there's other people that wear this. <laughs> no, no, no. No, 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 okay. no one does it better. Listen, well, yeah, that he, movie, he is dreamy. I will admit that. Kanye West is dreamy. He once killed Kanye three men in a Keanu bar Reeves, with a pencil. Is, yeah. With a fucking pencil. Mm. <laughs> is that historically that, accurate? Listen, or? that fucking movie is so... If you like to work out and you want to get fired up, that scene at the Russian bathhouse yeah, at the Red Circle everyone. Bar where he kills everybody, yeah. that is that that fucking movie is so good. How do you say Chad's last name? Chad, let me, let me that guy. I know I, don't, I always fuck up the pronunciation of his name. It's very confusing. Here, hold on. Ch- Chad's. S T A H E L S K I. He's gonna get mad because I say his name all the time. But I, I communicate Elsky. with him. Who is we it? We text. I met oh. him at uh, Terran Tactical. I shot guns with him, where where they taught Keanu Reeves how to shoot guns. Um, but what pumps you up more the the, the shooting guns it's or a, the the fighting the like the martial arts the judo he does, he does pretty good judo and jujitsu yeah. which is I gotta give him credit for that. It's madness. Oh. It's a masterpiece of violence. Yeah. If you want a revenge movie, they stole his car and killed his dog. Killed his dog. And so he kills everybody. I get it. I mean everybody. Do, it's do a you want him to also wear movie. like some pointy ears and wear like a cape? Because that'll probably make you even more excited. No, it would Because a real no. movie about drama involves something like Casino. No. Where it's like real men. I don't need it to be real. I live a real life, bro. <laughs> That's why I like superhero <laughs> movies. People are like, they're not like real life. I'm like, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I live a real life, pussy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, speaking, speaking of which, you couldn't even get yourself in a John Wick suit. So you, you struggle. Listen, you I can't can even sh- live up to that. I idea. have a John Wick suit that fits me. Yeah. But the fucking, the clean, my. Uh, so you're more like the Hulk. You just, <laughs> just rip that thing I'm a apart. juice head. That's the problem. I'm I lift too much weights. Talking this, a lot of uh, shit. Uh, this fucking scene here in the Russian bathhouse, boom, boom. Two of the just come on, son. Yeah. The, you want to go before that? Wow. Is this what it is in the YouTube video? Yes. Go way before when he stabs the guy. There it is, right there, right there. He's this when he stabs the guy under his chin and looks him in the eye. Watch it, all clear. Da da. Watch this right here. <laughs> this is one of my favorite. This when I was involved in this sober October challenge with my friends. Right here. This is this, look at <laughs> this right is what you're thinking about. I watched this a hundred times in a row. I just kept watching it over and over and over again when I was on the elliptical machine. <laughs> oh, but uh, how's the carnivore thing going? Great, it's going great. You still, you still. I keep just, cheating though. Yeah. I keep cheating with dessert. This is the problem with carnivore because I've been eating carnivore too. The problem is I when watching the, the Holloway fight, is I drink a lot of beer. Yeah. Well, look, we're drinking whiskey. We're dr- uh, well, that's low carb. Kind of that's, that's uh, my low problem carb. is is dessert. I've been eating dessert, uh, but I'm lean. I'm, I'm look. I'm yeah. yeah. I'm fairly lean for me. I'm like uh, probably like right now, like one ninety nine ish somewhere around there. But the problem is two hundred like, with carnivore. At least for me, is it makes me feel so good and like lean and focused and just energetic. Yeah. That when I go off the path, it hits me way harder. Yeah. And that that almost like enforces you to be almost too stoic. To where you can't have fun. I mean, not fun. I'm not not saying pigging out is fun, but like, there's something social about even just drinking beers or just pigging out 
It does wreck your your body though. It's interesting, right? Yeah, it's yeah. weird. It's like it's it, there's a recovery to it, but it does make you feel really good. It doesn't make any sense. It's weird, right? It yeah. it, it jacks up your testosterone. You should get does your it? your blood work done. Yeah, and the thing that I find is that uh, I don't have any crashes in the day. Right. I'm just flat throughout the day. Like mentally, now, super. The, super the real good. criticism is coming from people who are either. You know, there's 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 some people that are they're very educated about nutrition and they, they have a problem with the carnivore diet. They don't like there's you know, there's some evidence that points to the, the idea that it's unhealthy. The anecdotal evidence though, from individuals that find great benefit in it is very compelling. And unfortunately I'm one of those. Then there's also there's a lot of people that are that they make these they make these arguments that are not well founded about it being bad for the environment. And I don't necessarily think monocrop agriculture is good for the environment. I think the problem with the environment is massive amounts of human beings consuming food. And uh, I don't I don't believe the argument that there's no way to eat meat that's healthy for the environment because they've shown that you can do regenerative agriculture. The question is, can you can get it. You can definitely buy grass-fed beef from like Joel Salatin or some Polyface Farms or there's a uh, there's the company Piedmontese Farms. They just sent me some beef. You can buy. Um, there's Rome. That's the is that the one that um, uh, the carnivore MD. Is that his Rome Ranch, There's, right? Uh, Paul Saladino. It's funny enough. Uh, I think Ben Campo, something like that. Ben Campo uh, Farm sent me some meat. There's like ethical there ways of places. doing it. It's yes. expensive, though, right? It is expensive. Uh, Butcher Box. They use all grass-fed, grass-finished beef, all from uh, ethically responsible uh, farmers who they have like a real relationship with farmers and ranchers, where they treat their animals ethically and fairly and inhumanely and a lot of people are like well how can you do that if you kill them you know i i understand your your perspective i understand your perspective but the way they kill these animals is instantaneous there's a, yeah. a bolt to the brain they die instantly and i see the the argument that you should never kill a thing but i think you need to understand that that death for an animal that is essentially a prey animal. Like if you look at this uh, this weird mandala, this weird. If you look at the the just the the range of animals on the planet, there are animals that eat other animals, and a cow is one of those animals that gets eaten usually by large predators. The way they get eaten is horrific. The best way for them to die is from human hands yeah. if that human does it correctly whether it's a hunter or whether it's a, a farmer there's no animals that are wild animals that live to be uh, an animal that dies of old age or if there are there the numbers are so low it's you know it's like uh, people that live to be 120 yeah. there's not a lot of them most animals die by starvation, by disease, or by predators. The vast majority. If someone comes along, whether it's me shooting it with, a, with an arrow, or whether it's a, 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 an ethical, humane farmer, like one of the ones that ButcherBox employs, or you know some of these other ranchers, 
you you can get it. The, the real question is not that. The que- I mean, there's an ethical question. It's a debate, and it should be handled. There, there's a you can have a respectful conversation about this, but the real question is, can that sustain seven point whatever billion people? Right. And I don't know if it can. I don't know if that's the. I don't know if that's true. I think our problem might be the massive amount of human beings, and the the fact that very few natural ways will sustain this population. Monocrop agriculture is terrible. It's terrible for the soil. It's terrible for the environment. It's terrible for wild. It displaces wildlife when they um, when they uh, when they harvest that those crops. It's devastating to the wildlife, it's devastating to small mammals, and devastating to insects, devastating to birds. It's the life for life is not, it's not one for one. We don't look at a mouse the same way we look at an elk. An elk is a large, what my friend Steve Rinella calls a charismatic megafauna. We look at them in a different way, but it's one to one. These larger things we think are more valuable. If I shoot one elk, I eat it for a year like i give it up oh you live do you have a place to cook yeah you have an apartment like yeah. with a stuff i got food for you i got elk love meat. it i have two uh yeah. commercial freezers out here i would uh i don't know how to put put into words my gratitude towards that yeah wow i got good I'm, i got a bag for you i'm gonna hook you up i feel kind of bad about eating meat that's uh factory farmed yeah well i do too i know i know what you're saying but health wise I think I feel better when I eat a lot of meat. Yeah, do you... I mean, I don't know if I could break apart the psychology of it. Do you struggle with it? Like, yeah. Psycholo- like, ethically? Because I feel, on a personal level, really good eating meat. Yeah. And I I understand... It feels... This isn't me, like, being social justice warrior or signaling or something. It feels like this would be one of those things that in 100 years we'll look back and say this is, was a really fucked up thing that we did as a society. I'm not sure. You this is why so. I'm not sure. Because what are we going to do to control the population of these animals? Once we've established herds of cows and sheep and chickens and all these different animals that we, you know, ne- ne- we, we consider livestock, how are we going to stop? Are we going to stop them from breeding? Are we going to separate them from each other? Are we going to play God? Are we going to bring right. in predators? Like, what are we going to do? If we stop eating them, what are we going to do? And are we acknowledging that there are certain, like, there's, there's a lot of people that are, they're, they're vegan zealots, and they do not believe that it can be healthy to eat meat. The problem with that is, of course, that almost all elite professional athletes eat meat. There's very few exceptions. There's a few that do well, and there's also a few that try vegan diets, and their bodies wind up falling apart. And vegans hate that. They hate when you talk about it. They get angry because they're in. Uh, it's it's an ideology. Yeah. It's you could say it's almost cult like. Yeah. But they also have some good points. Like they are not killing sentient beings, and they don't think of plants as being a sentient being. Right. Problem with that is, of course, when you do mushrooms, you realize that all things are alive. <laughs> yeah, that's and what uh, you. Uh, all things. I, are I hope thinking. you get Matthew Johnson on your podcast. By the way. That guy is uh, he the guy that did that you had yeah, on yeah, yours? Yeah, yeah, psychedelic drugs guy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I got a. Okay, he opened up my mind. So I've o- always thought psychedelics in general, but psilocybin, just everything, DMT was um, a fascinating 
like a fascinating way to explore the mind scientifically as well. But he's the first person, I might be ignorant, made me realize you could actually do it as part of like, like multi-million dollar funded studies and like explore it like rigorously. I know it sounds weird, but like seriously explore like what does, like where can you go? He is big on doing a heroic dose of psilocybin, which apparently is legal as long as it's part of a study. Oh. And he's been studying it for purposes. 50 years. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's a young guy, which is like, you know, part of a... Uh, part of my excitement that this is like this is a legit this is somebody that will be following for decades to come i think he's just in the early steps of a journey he's running huge studies one of the things that really excite me about what he's doing is he went from sort of using uh psychedelics or psilocybin or any of the other psychedelic drugs to explore like how you can treat different mental disorders diseases, addictions, and so on, to now pushing it towards how can it help a, uh, a person who, like a what he calls like a creative, like, you know, somebody like you, a comedian, or somebody like Elon, like an uh, engineer, like me, engineer, scientist, all that kind of stuff. How can it help the mind when you're not trying to treat some kind of uh, explicit disorder, but actually trying to expand your thinking about the world and actually doing that as a study? So that's what I'm excited about, kind of waiting with just like bated breath that he runs a study that I can participate in because it'll be open to uh, in the wild. Do you and have I, any experiences at all? I've t uh, psilocybin mushrooms. Yeah, I've taken uh, three, four times. And it was, I've never had actually uh, a negative experience with drugs. Uh, maybe alcohol, but that was, it's like, it's like saying, <laughs> like I, you know, it was more positive than negative. I've drugs. Uh, kids don't listen to this, but drugs have done well for me. Do you listen to the podcast I did recently with Dr. Carl Hart? No, you would really enjoy it. Wow, uh, well, well, it was a little tedious in the beginning because we were talking about uh, politics and it was post Capitol Hill, and it was like, you know, he was very frustrated. But we, when we got into drugs, then he came alive, and we were he's he's well, his book is right here. What is his uh, uh, drug use for grown-ups? Uh, oh. Chasing liberty in the land of fear. So that's not the sense. I started listening to the podcast. That's not the sense I got from the podcast when I started listening to it, which is awesome. Because uh, yeah, I, I was he I was hearing the politics and that. Yeah, kind of he. We. I should have steered us away from that quicker. But I love the guy, and I just yeah. wanted to let him talk and talk with him, and I want. I wanted to get us into drugs, but I didn't want to just jump right into it because. I felt like, you know, one of the things about this podcast, I feel like sometimes people come on and they realize that it's this big platform and they have a lot to say. And they, they and, and when there's a thing that's happened in the news that was as ridiculous as that, I shouldn't even say ridiculous, horrific as that Capitol Hill attack, everybody wants to get it out of their system. So we talked. We talked about politics for a little bit. And I felt a little clunky with my uh, descriptions of things. But then we got into drugs. And once we got into drugs, then he shines because he was a guy who bought into all the propaganda. And, and, and you know, he was a, he's a research scientist and a brilliant guy who wasn't into any drugs at all until he was in like his, I believe he said he was in his 30s. Is that correct, Jamie? Somewhere in there. And then, you know, now he takes drugs all the time. He's talking about the positive benefits of heroin. 
He had a t- he had a, a shirt on that was the chemical compound for crystal meth. <laughs> yeah, that's. Uh, it, it's funny enough. Like, uh, so you talk to Avi uh, uh, Loeb, who's you know the Amuamua, mm-hmm. somebody who's really open to mind about that. But he's less open-minded about psychedelics and all those kinds of drugs. It's fascinating. Where we as a species, you talk about reaching for branches or exploring, like what's, yeah, what's interesting. Mm-hmm. And I think psychedelics is a legitimate. Like I haven't actually tried much at all, but it feels like every time I've tried, so I tried mushrooms, it makes you realize that the mind is capable of so much more than than you were cognizant of. It makes me think that there's more to reality than yeah. we can grasp and that we need to help. We need we need something. We need a little a little doorway that lets us walk through to some other side whether it's psilocybin or dimethyltryptamine or whatever the 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 method you use. There's a lot more out there. We're very crude in our perceptions and our ability to perceive. And I think um our ideas of drugs are negative ideas of drugs are a lot of times they're they're flavored with uh, the limitations of human personality and and human beings interfacing with the world looking for escape rather than looking to explore and looking to give in to the 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 mother gaia and and give in to these magical compounds and also there's a lot of fucking charlatans man there's a lot of people that espouse the use of psychedelics because it makes them appear to be spiritual and it boosts their their ego and and i had a conversation i've had more than one conversation with people where they say like you know you don't seem like a psychedelic guy cuz you like you use like a lot of like fucked up words and you say a lot of shit you probably shouldn't say yeah. i'm like well i'm also a comic yeah. like at the end of the day my goal is to uh Look, I'm also accustomed to being around people that do what I do. Like sometimes people get taken aback by my crude language or the way I think about things or discuss things. But my culture, my community is comics. At the end of the day, they're comics and fighters. Both of those people are used, both those groups of people, the community are used to saying some fucked up shit. It's fun for us. When you're a person who like... There's, there's, people are accustomed to things that, like, one of my favorite videos has nothing to do with psychedelics of a fighter. It shows you the sense of humor of a fighter. Is my friend John Wayne Parr after a fight? He's got this giant gash in his head, and they're stitching him up. And as they're stitching him up, they're opening up his thing like a mouth and talking, like, "Hey, John, how was how was today?" <laughs> yeah. he's, he's got this giant cut in his head. Where a lot of people would be freaked out. And they have this cut in his head. He's laughing. It's post fight, you know. There's a sense of humor that fighters have, and there's a sense of humor that comedians have, and I'm sure first responders, firefighters, a lot of soldiers that I'm friends with, they have a different sense of humor too because they've seen a lot of wild shit and a lot of violence. They they use, a, there's a style of communication that for um, a, lot of pedi- a lot of people that just live a, a more pedantic a more pedestrian a more a more placid life they don't they don't they're uncomfortable by it yeah i actually looked at humor i think humor will save the world i think that that we mentioned Tell you this. <laughs> that's only one of them that's only one of them the other one was on the side of his head 
He had one um, where they were stitching him up. It was on above his left eyebrow, and it was giant. John's had more than a hundred stitches in his. I mean, uh, way more than a hundred stitches, like hundreds of stitches in his face. Yeah, the the, the people that have been through the the worst shit that I've uh, had a connection with in my life, they always have a dark sense of humor about. Yeah. The, and it's a, it's a kind of escape. No, no, it's not an escape. It's actually, I, I don't want to say it's an escape. Valve. It's, but it, not even. It's almost a way to embrace the, the dual nature of life. That it can be really shitty and really beautiful. Yeah. Because of the ups and downs. And somehow I don't know what it is about humor. There's something about it that uh, just reveals that the roller coaster of life. The the best of it. Right right now the the big one, of course, is the whole cancel culture and uh, the the hypocrisy within politics. And so, comedy. Like that's why it sucks that that uh, the coronavirus is uh, keeping a lot of comedians locked up. Um, you know, comedy is a way to reveal that ridiculousness, and I suppose like podcasts are doing that. Like, they they are, but you know, there's a lot of comedians that are back on the road now. They're like, "Fuck it, I can't do this anymore." And doing like hearing your show uh, with Chappelle was like I, I, that was so refreshing. Actually. Uh, there's, I won't say what it is, but Ron White was on the show, and he's, he said the most, uh, and I was fortunate enough to sit next to your wife, uh, <laughs> and he said the most inappropriate uh, <laughs> joke, and it was so refreshing for some reason. It was like a, it's kind of escape. I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Like, you, uh, we've been taking ourselves so seriously in this very... Uh, in this very kind of careful discourse in the public sphere that like comedians provide this kind of like they point out the elephant in the room. Yes. Like this is absurd. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes that requires going over the top and that's, uh, it made me, uh, yeah, made me, uh, miss the world as it was, as it was. And It'll be back again. And the real ones like Ron White and Dave Chappelle, they'll, they'll be raging stronger than ever because yeah. people are going to appreciate it and they're going to realize, Oh my God, this is the way out. We need to stop getting angry about everything and we we need to start embracing humor you know it's it's important they, we are we ha, there's a broad spectrum of human thought and we can't just live in the, the the fucking range of outrage that range is a shitty range you know that range that so many people exist in and one of the reasons why they exist in that rage that range the outrage range is because they're doing it online it's not a real way of communicating because of the fact that everyone's been separated from just normal, regular interactions with folks. You know, I remember, like, I would feel, like, when I was, uh, when I first moved to L.A., I didn't have any friends. And I would feel real weird. <clears throat> you know, I would be, uh, I had a, a furnished apartment, so it wasn't really, it, didn't, it never felt like mine. It felt like a hotel. So they had this place called Oakwoods, these Oakwoods apartments in uh, Burbank. Yeah. I think it was in Burbank. Um, but wherever it was, I was staying in these uh, apartments and it, it was just, it was weird, man. It just felt, I felt weird. Like, what am I doing here? And then I would go to the comedy store and I'd be around people and I'd be around f like minded misfits and we'd all be laughing. And I would be like, it was almost like someone took like a weighted vest off of me. Like, oh, I'm going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And then, you know, felt weird again the next day. And then I had to go to the comedy store again. 
We need each other. We need each other, but we need each other person to person. And there was no social media back then, which if there was, I'd probably be just like a lot of these fucking idiots that are online raging about the world and looking for acceptance and looking for social justice brownie points and virtue signaling at any any turn, hoping that it gets me some love and likes because that's what people are doing. They, They think they're doing it because they're trying to correct the world, but they really don't understand that they're contributing to the polarizing aspect of today's culture and climate can we need you, uh, to be around each other can I ask you a weird question sure <laughs> uh, so I've been a fan of your podcast for a long time I've, I listened to um, as I listened to m- most uh, episodes I listened to the one with Giannis I think it was. Giannis Papas yeah he, by the way oh, yeah, thank you he's hilarious he's awesome way. I got to he's a spend, great Twitter follow too yeah yeah He. Oh, I got cheers. to a cheers I got to um, actually go to the show with him. I was at the table with him. Um, I'm also a big fan of his podcast. Uh, I think it's called uh, History Hyenas. History Hyenas. Yeah. Yeah. He's. <laughs> it's so. Ref- it's like the complete opposite of Dan Carlin. It's just like comedians <laughs> shooting the shit over. But that said, about World War Two and Greek, uh, uh, Crete. Pe- people should like read the Greek. The Greeks are bad motherfuckers. Oh yeah. Jesus, like Jesus. I was, they, I, I was surprised how much they contributed to just pushing back. There's a lot to discuss there, but like they, they, they helped push, uh, stall the Nazis in, uh, in the fact that it took them much longer to then after conquering uh, Crete, they had to uh, go to Russia, and uh, they succeeded. Uh, the Greeks successfully stalled the Nazis to where most of the war was in the winter, pushing towards Stalingrad. There's fascinating history there. I always love the kind of 300 where you stand back and like just a few people are able to fight back the the storm of evil. Yeah. That's always badass. That so movie's the, the, amazing, too. It's so fantastical and so ridiculous and over the top, but but just fun. Yeah. But anyway, there's something about him. It mu- must have been the whiskey. Uh, there's a sadness that I've heard over the past couple of months in from you. Giannis and no, me. From you, really? Um, I might be wrong on that. I just I wanted to ask, like, because okay. you mentioned about friendships in LA and so on. Mm. Like, are you doing okay? Yeah, I'm fine. Like, so I'm know. remarkably resilient, despite the fact that I fucked up the word remarkably. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, grammar could use some work and uh, yeah, pronunciation. No, I'm, I'm, I feel great. Yeah, you feel good. Yeah. Why? What? What? Where are you getting that sadness thing from? I think. So what I heard, it's maybe a slight romantic thing. You brought up your wife and so on, and there was like just a, like a longing for human connection. About her? No, not your wife. Uh, just in the way you were talking about things. Uh, I don't know. That was. That that stood out to me more than usual. Usually, it was like Joey Diaz shooting the shit mm-hmm. for the years, right? It just felt like you were more. Uh, I mean, I guess we all grow and change. It felt like you were. I, I don't want to say soften up, but there's a there's a sadness in there a little bit. Well, I think sometimes I mourn for the death of L.A. I really do, and uh, I think when I'm around comics, sometimes it's particularly comics like Giannis, who yeah. I met. At the comedy store, there's a there is a part of me that gets this part, but like, God damn it, you know, like this is gone. It's it's gone, man. L.A. is gone, you know. Uh, 
my friend Brendan Schaub was just he drove his bike down to the comic store the other day. He's texting me. He's like, dude, this is the Walking Dead. It is so fucked up down here now. There's nothing open. It's so strange. It's so weird. It feels so dangerous and so so different than it used to feel. Um, I mean, do people feel that way? Also, sad to see about New York. It's just so. What, fu- why do you think it was when I was talking about my wife? Because you don't usually bring up your wife. Oh, I think it was because he was talking about his or something like that. We were no, I know, but about- he was, uh, which hilariously enough, he was talking like <laughs> about something about him being like becoming famous and like trying to uh, um, plan ahead that if he's going to be continue being married, uh, <laughs> like prenup style, he wants to make yeah. sure that there's. I mean, he's just well. uh, laughing, but there's just I don't know. There's a melancholic kind of longing for, uh, like Louis C.K. has this bit where he's like, I think he talks about. Uh, like listening to Bruce Springsteen and pulling out to the side of the road and crying or something every once in a while, just like r- remembering that life is like both beautiful and tragic. There's just that you which I don't both. usually hear from um, from you. Well, um, I mean, maybe we were drinking, and that's part of it. Um, the reason why I don't bring my wife up too much is that she doesn't really like it. I talk uh-huh. about her. I'll say something fucked up, and she doesn't want to. Hear. So I try to hedge my bets with that. But, yeah. Well, it's funny. Have, uh, no, go ahead. Uh, in your show, you brought up your wife because I won't mention the bits or whatever. All those jokes. <laughs> <laughs> she gets upset at those too. She was laughing. I was yeah, like, no, I, lo- she, I looked no, over at her to make sure it's cool. <laughs> look, I got. She's a, a great person. Uh, I got very. She makes nah, me a better amazing. person. She really does. Uh, I don't say that lightly. You know, if I if I didn't think she, uh, I didn't like her, I wouldn't be. Well, see, I say I wouldn't be around, but I would. And one of the reasons why I would is because I have kids, and I think right. there's a there's a thing that there's like this is my girlfriend, and then 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 there's this is the mother of my children, and it is a fucking different animal, man. It's a different animal, you know. It's like a lot of people said, like, you know, you never really you thought marriage was stupid, and then and then you decided to get married. Well, I had children. I had children. Like when you, you have children, whatever I think is stupid about marriage. Like I think the idea of here's it's not the idea of committing to someone is not stupid, but the idea of a legal contract with a government agency about love, it is stupid. Yeah, there's no love in the courts. There's no, there's no, there's no love in these civil unions and all this nonsense. No, the love is between two people. And there's something weird about saying, can I get it on paper? Yeah. I love you. You love me. We love each other. Okay. Imagine if you did that to your best friend, like Lex, yeah. you and I are friends. Yeah. I love you. I think you're but a great guy. Can we get guy. that on paper? <laughs> can I get that on paper? If I pulled out and say, Lex, you and I have been friends for a few years now, yeah. right? Let's fucking make it official. Yeah. Let's make it official, bro. But and then, then you if you to... stop taking my calls, yeah. I want money. Yeah. I want to be able to, half of what you make. It. It's weird because yeah. when sex is involved <laughs> with human beings, we, cha- we we have these cultural norms, but these these cultural uh, standards about relationships are based in about. There's two things going on. One, there's like if a woman commits to a man and she's enhancing his career, and she abandons her own to try to help him, and then. She doesn't have a career, and then he gets rid of her and cashes her out for a new model, and then she's fucked, 
and she needs alimony or vice versa like the tom arnold situation yeah. right where tom arnold that's that's our guy like we've all <laughs> talked about that that's our fucking michael jordan when it comes to male alimony <laughs> Yeah. He married an incredibly successful woman, Roseanne Barr, and then when he got divorced from her, he got paid, and he got rich and famous from that. Um, there's that, and then there's when there's children involved. And I think as a guy who grew up without a father, without my real father, I don't know my real father. I have a stepfather. I'm very fortunate that my stepfather was in my life, and he's a great guy. And my mom has been in my life my whole life. I'm very fortunate because there's some people that don't have neither of those things, right? Um, I, it's, it means a lot to me to be there for my kids. It means a lot to me. And it doesn't mean that I love my wife any less. But it means like whatever the marriage thing, like I was like, okay. Like you have, we, we had a kid. Like, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll, kids, yeah. I'll abandon all of my preconceived notions about the silliness of legal contracts with the state. It doesn't mean I don't love anyone any less or it cheapens it at all. But I think the thing is ridiculous. You stand in front of each other. The, I do. I do. You guys have a wedding song or like no. the, do, do, do a dance? Dude, I barely got through the whole thing. It was so, <laughs> as a comic, it's so preposterous to me. But it doesn't mean I don't love any less. It's, it doesn't mean that I don't appreciate her any less. I, I appreciate the fuck out of that. Lady. No, you do, and that's that. That's one of the inspiring things. It's like, I I see that with. Uh, that's one of the reasons I like Elon, is allowing yourself to be excited about awesome things. Just being, I don't know, seeing the beauty in things. And one of the inspiring things about you is just saying nice things about your wife. I. It's funny, but it's rare. It stood out actually. Most people just kind of talk shit about. But I genuinely have a great time with her. Yeah, I and really that's do. Awesome. And we've been together for a long time, and we've grown together. Like who I who I am now is not who I was when I met her. I'm a different person, and part of me being a different person is my relationship with her. But she doesn't like me talking. She's gonna be mad at this. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> not really mad. She won't be mad because I'm saying nice things. But. Yeah. You know, relationships are odd, man, because a lot of them go bad. And my problems with marriage was growing up seeing marriages that went bad and seeing traps. Like when I was like, my grandparents were lovely people, but Jesus Christ, did they fight? They fought in a, the worst way. It was horrible to be around, to be a little kid and my grandmother screaming at my grandfather. And I remember thinking, fuck this. I remember being trapped in my grandparents' home. Like, they're watching me. Like, my mom's out doing something. She's going to come back and they're yelling at you. Don't rush me, Joe! Was it Josephine and Joseph? Yeah. My grandfather. My <laughs> unoriginal family. Yeah. Right? My, <laughs> my, my grandfather's name was Joseph. My, my grandmother's name was Josephine. They're fucking yelling at each other. And I remember being terrified because I was a little kid and thinking, like, God, I don't ever want to be trapped with some fucking person where they don't like each other anymore. Or even if they love each other, they've developed these patterns of communication that are so negative and corrosive. They just scream at each other all the time. And when I was a young man, um, that's how I thought about relationships. I thought, and, and also, I had a bunch of bad ones growing up, especially when I was broke. When, I, when you're broke and, you have like, and your future looks pretty fucking sketchy, Boy, you, you you learn a lot. And those girls were right. They were right to look at me like skeptically. Like, this motherfucker, he thinks he's funny? Like, where are you going with this? Where is this career going? And, you know, there was like, when girls would cheat on me, like if I found out about it, it was like, there was a relief. I was like, oh, 
great. And I don't have to wait for this to happen. Like it already happened. Like I, I knew it was coming. Like I, this is my, my concept of relationships. They were always tortured and struggling. And for what is the percentage of people that get divorced in this country? I, I keep hearing 50%, but yeah. it's some, something ridiculous. Chris Rock has the best bit about that. He goes, he goes, that's the ones that have the courage to leave. <laughs> this is how many cowards just stay. He's yeah. right. And he's yeah. divorced, by the way. Chris Rock's divorced. You know, so, but the, the problem is, and also, you know, he's got some horrific jokes about how much money he had to pay in divorce. And, you know, he's like, my, my, my wife made more money in comedy last year than Dave Chappelle. <laughs> 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 Which is fucking horrible. Yeah. Jeff Bezos' wife is uh, doing oh. really good money, uh, g- good things with the money that yeah. she has, actually. Listen, Jeff Bezos sh- is so goddamn rich. That given her $34 billion, didn't even put a dent in them. No, no dent. Elon, number one, though, currently. Elon Musk, yeah. the richest man on earth. Well, other than the Saudis that don't give up the numbers. Or Putin. Let's, let's just yeah. put the truth on the oh, table. Oh, yeah. Putin, too, right? Yeah. A lot of those oil folks, they have uh, undisclosed incomes, yeah. right? I think they probably laugh. Oh, good job for you. <laughs> number one. <laughs> I think it's funny. Oh, you're number one. Congratulations, oh, yeah. my friend. How did you do it? <laughs> you know, because it's uh, we, it's money's a weird thing, right? Because you're, you really only have time, you know, and do you have enough time to recoup that money that you gave up? And how much how much of your life is based on the lifestyle that that money provides? Like, what is what is it about? your life that you think that you you need a certain number right and uh there's uh, look i have a friend who's the i've talked about him before but i'll, t- I'll say it one more time because he has one of my worst stories about marriage he got divorced he's been divorced for 14 years he's been married to a new woman for 12 years he doesn't yeah. even have a baby with the first woman and he's still paying her hundreds of thousands of dollars a year and it kills him it kills him crazy and you know my joke is like did he fuck her so hard she can never work again like he was in a relationship with a woman it didn't work out but he has to continue sending her a giant chunk of his income every year and it kills him yeah it can make you cynical about like the it can affect their future relationships could affect your ability to be like it causes some men to become misogynists yeah it causes some men to look at women as like parasites it's it's not good it's not healthy you know, I don't necessarily think that all divorce settlements are like that. But I do think that there is an odd thing when you have an industry that is based around extracting money from people that have it. And what that is is like Phil Hartman told me once when he was he was trying to get divorced from his wife and he was like, uh, I go, just give her half. He goes, It's not half, it's two thirds. He goes, It's a scam. The lawyers take a third. And I remember thinking, like, oh, shit, I never even thought about that. That's the scam. The scam is they drag it out. And I've had multiple friends who've been involved in divorces where it's dragged out. Yeah, my worry is the – I'm a, that, that's my biggest fear of marriage is the lawyers on the divorce side. That's why I wasn't into it for the longest time. You know, but listen, man, you're going to have – the bigger commitment is children. The, this the big. You, you have a life form. You have a human being. You have a, the the most precious person in your life. These when you have a baby, man, the weird feelings that you have about love 
like uh, the, the 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 intensity of the love is it's so overwhelming. Like you know, I can look at pictures of my kids when they're little, and I start crying. <laughs> it's crazy. the 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 feeling that you have about children is just a fucking game changer, and it makes you just think about all of you know all of your your preconceived notions about humans and they all go out the window because i think of all people as babies now i used to be an angry person i used to think of that guy's a fuckhead and now i think that guy is a baby that just grew up all fucked up and now here he is a 40 year old douchebag (laughs) (laughs) how how do they uh hope you don't mind saying how how do they like to move to texas they love it they love it here la feels like a weird place for uh, yeah it's healthier for them here kids are more normal here Kids in L.A., there's here being famous doesn't seem like a viable option. In L.A., it seemed like the most viable option, like the most primary option. And oh, you mean like there's a... There's a community of people that are focused around the Kardashians right. and the, 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 you know, the athletes and the musicians and the this and the that. And their whole idea is... You know, this obviously is, sounds hypocritical. It's coming from someone who happens to be famous, but I think that it's it's a empty pursuit. It's you know, you can you can get famous doing a thing that you love, or you can try to be famous, and they're two very different things. And I think there's been many times in my life where I was trying to get famous because it seemed like it was impossible, right? Like when I was young and first getting on television, first doing comedy, because it just seemed like impossible. Like how does someone get famous? How does it, I could see other people famous. Like, how are they famous? This is crazy. It seemed nuts. Yeah. But be careful what you wish for. You think uh, you think fame changed you? Like, are you able to like be cognizant of ways in which the fact that this podcast is the biggest podcast in the world and just all all of that, how that's changing your mind? I mean, that that I think about that with power that you might not be cognizant of the way that power is changing you. That's why I find Putin fascinating. So what... Mm. Like, do you look in the mirror and see, like, you're not the man you used to be in some dimension? Like, this is a different human because you're so fucking famous. Uh, Believe it or not, I think about that very little. (laughs) And I think that's no, one of the I, keys I to my that. success. I think so. I see that. Le- legitimately. <laughs> I don't think... I think just interacting with you offline in general, I don't think you're... <laughs> it doesn't look like you acknowledge to yourself that you're famous. Like, you, you don't... You're not living with that truth. You're not, like, lingering it. You're still pursuing the things that make you happy. And that... Yeah. I, 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 I tend to believe that you can do the same with power. Like, I, I tend to believe a president could do that same kind of thing. That's what we would hope, right? You would yeah. hope that some president gets to a position of power, not because they crave it, but because they have solutions to problems and they genuinely think that they can help the world. Now, I'm not saying that I'm not equating my, like, I'm not um, uh, favorably comparing myself to a president or something like that, but I, um, I think... I got a slow drip of fame, and that's one of the things that helped me. You know, I started, I got on television for the first time in, like, the early 90s with doing stand-up comedy. And then it led to a sitcom, then it led to Fear Factor and the UFC and all these different things. And then ultimately, it accidentally led to the biggest thing that I ever did, which was this. 
Was that oh, is this the biggest accident? thing you ever did? This this podcast? this podcast? Oh, by far. Yeah, by by magnitudes. By sure. uh, yeah, massive, giant numbers of magnitudes different than anything I've ever done. What what was the? <laughs> for some reason, that your your uh, Bernie Sanders conversation popped into mind, because uh, <laughs> that's my favorite part about the inauguration that happened is uh, Bernie Sanders sitting there Poor in, guy. in comfy clothes with like mittens <laughs> and he's sitting back i don't know if you know this picture have you seen the, the greatest memes? picture of all time there's so many memes of yeah. him oh, i'm sorry i'm already sick of it yeah. i'm sorry if the I'm, internet right. the internet is undefeated there's I'm so like many grandma. so many awesome memes of him doing different things but like, the original the mm, original just yeah. the sitting there not giving a damn well i think he gives a damn i think he's recognizing that it's never going to happen you know he had this idea that he was going to sort of uh, help the working class. I really do believe that guy was legitimate. I think he stood for what he really truly believed. I think there's a lot of people that felt disappointed that there was you know, some votes that he wasn't there for that he could have helped and some stands that he could have taken that he didn't and then ultimately that he kind of like gave in to the, uh, the powers that be and the status quo. But I think uh, meeting him and talking to him and I don't know. Maybe I'm a romantic, but I, I really do believe that he had in mind only good intentions. And I think he really did want to help working families. And I really did, do think that he wanted to. It was one of the reasons why I supported him. I think he really did want to alleviate student loan debt. He really wanted to make universities free. He really did want to make it so that health care was accessible to everybody. He really did want to make, make it so that a, a living wage was something that uh, people can get expect if they work a job. And, you know, the economists be damned. I don't know if they're right. I don't know who's right when it comes to that, whether or not like 15 bucks an hour is going to cripple our, our culture and, and crush businesses. I'm too dumb. I really don't know. But, but he's a genuine human. Genuine. And that, that, that's a rare quality. It felt like uh, you could disagree with his policies, but like it feels like we should have a person like that. It's rare for a politician. Yeah. You know who's, who's also genuine is Tulsi Gabbard. She's genuine as fuck, man. She was here yesterday. She was on the podcast yesterday. She was, yeah, she it's, was? it's out today. She's amazing. She's a like a genuine, like a legit human being. Yeah, like that, that's yeah. who she is. One one thing that's on my to do list <laughs> is to investigate, look into uh, why there's so much hate towards her. I was confused. So every time I've heard, they couldn't her, control her. We talked about it on the podcast. The moment she decided to run for president, it all started coming after her. They started calling her a Russian asset, and dude, she's a she. She served. She was a congresswoman for eight years. She served overseas twice. She was, you know, she was in involved in like uh, when she was in, involved in uh, these situations where they're she's working for medical units, where they're bringing in sh- soldiers, blown apart. She seemed, that's why she has that white streak in her hair. They came from one of her deployments. Stress. Just stress. Just the, the freaking out over these horrific scenes that she was seeing over and over again. That's why she has this non-interventionalist foreign policy ideas that are so important to her. This this stop ending these endless wars. Or a stop, rather, having and, and participating in these endless wars. She's a, she's a legitimate patriot, man. Did she talk about running? No. She's doing a podcast. Like her, her yeah. own. Yeah, it's called This is Tulsi Gabbard. Because she felt like she was so misrepresented. You know, we talked about her being attacked on The View and how that collapsed on those people. 
And it's like these the the merchants of hate out there trying to, you know, spew their vitriol on people. It's yeah, a, it's a, there's a there's a whole uh, business in that with people. Podcasting could people. be the thing that actually saves us. It's a you know a, a lot of really interesting people. Andrew Yang is doing a podcast. It's just a, it's a it's a way to express yourself in a long form format and being nuanced and it feels it's it's refreshing. Yeah. Uh, I you know I I do think you should uh, give platform to to, uh, to to certain folks who are crazy people. No, not not crazy people. There's just <laughs> some people who don't have a platform currently. Like who? They, um, he's no longer president, but. Uh, Trump? Uh, Donald Trump, yeah. You should you should give him a chance because he's banned everywhere else. I figured that uh, it'd be Boy, nice. Boy, that would be a crazy conversation, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't I, know if I'm ready. <laughs> no, if I'm into that. Yeah. In, I, th- I feel like he can make his own YouTube video. He's got his own, he's got his own platforms. There's a, there's a complexity to that human being. Oh, for sure. When yeah. you hear his story, again, coming from someone who has children. And you know the the the, the story that is uh, was his uh, his cousin paints of him or his niece. Yeah, that's right. Uh, his niece or his cousin niece. Niece. Yeah, it's uh, whatever it's, the name of her book it's is. It's a story yeah. that resonates with anyone that has had a difficult upbringing and recognizes the need that children have for the love of their parents. There's um, there's a thing that happens to children when they're raised incorrectly. They're raised with the wrong the wrong input. Yeah, Mary Trump. You know, I yeah. wish I was so mad at this book. I don't even know if she's right. I don't know. So the problem with this book is that she had the opportunity to write a deep psychological study of Donald Trump that's apolitical and she kept inserting politics into it. She kept inserting her obviously liberal point of view mm. as opposed to studying a fascinating complicated human being who's obviously achieved a lot of things in this world well you know what i bet that's probably what the editors want and i bet yeah, that's true. probably what a lot of other people wanted but i agree with you is that i want to be able to make up my own political ideas and my own political decisions i want to know what you know about this human yeah and how this how this I mean, she might you know if donald trump might sit down and write a book about her let me tell you something about this bitch <laughs> <laughs> that's a good title that's for a book that's <laughs> a good title of his book let me tell you something about this bitch she was always mean and fucking she always complained and, and, and blamed other people and she was always lazy and she was always mad at her cousins like who knows I'm just I'm just exaggerating and making things up she's probably a wonderful person but my point is we don't know when a person just writes something and the other person doesn't even get to respond interject it's a real problem. You can get a very distorted perception of who that human being is. Yeah, and uh, what's the matter, Jamie? I got. So I, we were talking about Putin a second ago about being the richest man in the world. I've yeah. stumbled across a current story that is very interesting. Do uh, you remember the? Uh, I think he's considered maybe Putin's rival, the guy that got poisoned oh, like yeah. a couple years Navalny. ago. Yeah. So he's recently traveled back to Russia. Did you hear about this? Yeah, I did. As of two days ago, he uploaded a video onto YouTube. I'm gonna show you this just a second. It has over it has 50 million views in two days. This is Putin's billion dollar palace. Yeah, yeah. It's a two hour video where this guy's breaking down what this is. It's a like 1.4 billion dollar palace that has all sorts of <laughs> crazy. It sounds crazy. And I there are English subtitles on here. I don't obviously don't have the time to look through this at the right. moment. 
I haven't seen a video get that many views that quick in a long time outside oh my of like God, some viral 49 song. million views. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Play some of it. Well, I, I mean, want to see. I just want to see the the palace. Oh. This is how big is it? it? It's it's huge. They, they're like one of the guys that was looking into this brings up that. Oh, they it's have legitimately a, Navalny's video. Yeah, this is his video. There's other videos make, that are smaller, but this how is much the time do you think he's one. got left on Earth? He went back. The, the 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 size of the balls this man has to after go they back. poison them they're I bringing mean, up this uh it's a stripper room but like they're like there's this room in the basement that has no windows and a and weirdly a pole and how does he have this information <laughs> <laughs> I, they have the plans they have 3d renderings they have a dr- they have <gasps> drone footage they, there's like a an enclosed ice rink there's a 2500 square foot greenhouse wow so he might be the richest man in the world that's that comrade. Yeah, that's what I was Can we take into. the he, video down? According, according to him, he like owns everything comrade. in like Russia or something. So. He owns everything in Russia. Well, uh, he is a What is his? Does he have a lot of support in Russia? Yeah, yeah, still a huge amount of support. I mean, young. Is it the pe- same kind of support like Trump has support, like support for the strong man? Yes, but he is much better. This is what I mentioned with uh, with the charisma of Hitler. Not equating anybody in this conversation, but. The Putin is actually two things. He's very charismatic and like witty, intelligent, thoughtful. So it's very different style than uh, Donald Trump, who's more chaotic, comedian-like, just right. off the cuff kind of way. And uh, the other thing that uh, Putin is, which a lot of dictators have been throughout history, is he's really good at his job actually of being a ma- manager, of being president. He's has he loves his job. Not he doesn't love he loves his job more than he loves power, which is fascinating to watch. Really, Stalin was similar to that. So, is that why he's effective? That's why he's effective. He, uh, you know, you can have critical perspectives on it, you can have positive perspectives on it, but the the truth is, he's really good at doing the having the meetings with the different people that are responsible for energy, for agriculture, for the way the country runs, actually listening to them. Obama was really good at this, at listening to the different experts and understanding what they're saying, even though he himself is not an expert in it, asking the right questions, thinking through it, uh, calling you out on your bullshit if you're corrupt. He's actually really good at fighting corruption. A lot of people argue that he's actually, while he's good at fighting corruption, he's creating an extra like another level of corruption by the way the kind of kind of cronies he gets into government but the fact is he calls people out on their bullshit when you give when he gives a lot of money to a different kind of region to perform a certain task he expects that task to be performed like if a certain kind of infrastructure has to be built he calls you out on your bullshit if you didn't build that uh set of roads or whatever the infrastructure is so He's good at his job. The stuff that's underneath it, the p- potential hypocrisy or the you know deeply unethical things for which there's very little proof, but almost like common sense, like Epstein didn't kill himself level of like logic <laughs> <laughs> is, uh, you know, it bothers a lot of people, especially in the West. Mm. But in Russia, I think he still has uh, majority support. I'm pretty sure he has significant support in Russia. Young people are who love the West, who love the idea of freedom. They don't like 
the idea of what Putin is doing, which is essentially an authoritarian government. He's essentially a dictator. And if you love the idea of freedom, even if Putin is good for Russia, it feels like this is the wrong man to to bring freedom to Russia. Mm. And that's that's where uh that's ultimately where the battle is of the the battle for freedom. The, they look at America, yeah, it's a giant mess of just division and all that kind of stuff. But I think what permeates everything that's going on in America is a love of freedom. We have a different definition of what that means, but ultimately uh, we want to be free to pursue the thing that uh, we love doing, whatever that is. So this, the, this country, the United States of America, allows people for whatever weird thing they're into or amazing thing they're into to be able to pursue that and build, if, if it's like engineering, to build that thing or if it's art to create that thing and not be uh, stopped by kind of institutional breaks that slow you down. And right. so like the left defines that as saying, you know, if you're a minority, then there's all these institutions that slow you down in terms of your ability to be free in expressing your uh, yourself to your fullest potential. And then people on the right are saying, well, there's all these like, uh, how, how do you put it nicely? But, you know, government overreach and controlling uh, stifling businesses uh, stifling conversations, stifling thought, uh, stifling the truth, you know, by sort of saying that this is what, by using terms like white supremacy, by using all these kinds of terminology, being with, uh, stifling freedom of speech. That's uh, people on the right are saying that about the left. But ultimately, the struggle is for freedom of speech. And then really effectively in Putin's Russia, all of those freedoms are kind of absent. If we're if we're honest, really effectively, that's an interesting way to put it. Because the, the, you can make an argument that the main flaw of our democracy is that every four years we change leadership, right. and there's a battle as soon as the person takes office to establish who's going to be the next person in line four years from now. So oftentimes, like this is one of the things that uh, to quote Chris Rock again. He was talking about Obama. They were a lot of people were disappointed with Obama's first uh, term, and he was saying you got to wait until the second term. That's when he can do some really gangster shit because he knows he can't go anywhere. But isn't that a strange thing that like if you had any other job, right? Like imagine if I only had four years to do this podcast. Go back and listen to the first four years. They're fucking terrible. <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. I wasn't good at it yet. I needed to figure out how to communicate with people. And I think I'm I think I'm better today than I was yesterday, and I think I'm better. I'll be better tomorrow than I am today. And I think I you you get better if you care if you work at it. Is that the same thing with someone who runs a government? I would imagine there's some similarities and parallels. Now, the problem with that is, of course, you have to. The best case scenario is you have a benevolent dictator. You have a dictator that cares but realizes, like, you fucking idiots. I need to take care of you, but I really do love taking care of you. And I'm going to do it within your best interests. And I'm going to try to do my very best to run this country the right way. 
I don't think anybody thinks that of any of our presidents. I think everybody thinks that our presidents are beholden to special interest groups and lobbyists and all the people that got them in the positions of power in the first place. Modern day presidents, I think. And also that when they get out, we know what they're doing. They're going to go right to bankers and start doing speeches for $500,000 and all that shit. We know it's a scam, but we hope they do it the best they can with the system that's in place as corrupt as it is, as, as fucking entangled with money as it is. But if there was someone like a Putin character, like an American Putin, like some, who would it be? Like a, some fucking Clint Eastwood type dude who just like, you know what I mean? Jocko like, Willing type of character. Yeah, well, Jocko I, I, Willing. I'm, I'm all for it. Jocko for president. Well, it's a good question whether, I mean, this is, exa- to me, there's exact parallel between your trajectory and podcast, which have been 11 years, and Putin. <laughs> been, but I haven't uh, poisoned anybody. Allegedly. Allegedly. He hasn't poisoned anybody, allegedly. I don't Alleged, know. Uh, this, this <laughs> put, uh, alleged. What's in this drink? Uh, <laughs> the, I think the question is whether, in your case, fame, but there's power there, too, changes you. And in the case of Putin, does power change you? I and use fame. my power as much as possible to help other people. But why? So there's I like this, it. I like helping people. I really do. I like letting people know about you. I like letting people know about Tim Dillon. I like letting people know about funny comedians and good people and really interesting authors and guys like Carl Hart. I, I like people. I like people to know about interesting people. I don't. I don't feel comfortable with the position that I'm in, and I don't deserve it. And, and if people say I don't deserve it, you're right. Guess what? Nobody deserves it. Right. I know I don't deserve it. It's, it's unbalanced. It's disproportionate. I'm aware of it. I'm 100% aware of it. So I do my best to spread the love. That's what I try to do. You know? Well, part, part of being a comedian, you get made fun of by your friends, and there's people that put you in check. That's the concern with power in the political spectrum. Is right. There's, like, how many people can really talk to Putin and, be, and, and say... Nobody. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody. You, uh... You were kind of a dick last night. Well, does Putin have anyone that's smarter than him that he's friends with, too, that he recognizes, you know? Like, I have a, a, a gang of people that are way smarter than me yeah. that I can talk to. You know, I can call them up. I go, hey, man. But the important thing is this. something in your genetics keeps saying that they're smarter than you. You can also convince yourself that you're smarter than them. No. No, I mean, but like, it's possible. Human beings do that. It's like... I think it's my martial arts background, too. I th- I think I think there's a few things that contribute to the development of a human being. Like one of them is just being humbled by whatever the mechanisms. And it seems like martial art, jujitsu. Yeah. Uh, so un- uniquely humbling. Yeah. And 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 daily. But you see, know? Uh, I this is why. Sorry, I'm uh, I'm a little biased in being open-minded towards Putin because of his judo, judo background. background. He's legit. He's legit. I mean, when you watch, look. I know those guys are going with him. They're not trying to kill him. But I've watched Putin train, and yeah. I, I watch his technique. You know, I'm not a judoka. I have no belt in judo. Although I think Wikipedia says I have a belt in judo. I have zero belts in judo. I know like two hip throws. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, he's unquestionably legit. He's a real black belt. You know, there's no doubt about it. I watch him move. He knows what he's doing. And he actually, a- really good at it. Like th- there's people that do judo. Can understand. There's a there's a way when you watch a martial artist move, you understand this person understands the art. Yeah, 
It's and he is one of those. They He's, have refined technique. Yeah. Yeah. They've learned from real yeah. real masters. And we're humble for yeah. prolong for a long period of time. This yeah. isn't some little tool you learn while you're part of the KGB. He really loved judo. And for some reason I'm, I might be a sucker and biased in that sense. It makes me feel like this person is human. You got a little bit of a, a Putin crush. You got a Putin crush on Putin you. Putin crush? No. I <laughs> so P- P- I'm fascinated by the man. Yeah. And uh, but I'm also fascinated by Donald Trump. I'm fascinated by uh, Barack Obama, by like the complexity of what makes a human being. And by the way, I'm a sucker for good speeches. People who are saying that Joe Biden's speech in the inauguration—I don't know if you heard it. I didn't hear it. Is a good speech. Uh, I think Barack Obama the whole time was sitting in the Bernie Sanders uh, stance saying, like, hold my beer. That was a <laughs> terrible speech. The, the, there's it? such an opportunity to crush it right now. Really? With a beautiful speech. And it was like very generic, positive unity kind of. But if you want to do a unity speech, you better bring your best Martin Luther King Jr. You better bring your best uh, Obama that sucked. But I'm fascinated by these complicated people that come to power. Obama is one of them. I think he's way more fascinating than people give him credit for. You know, I agree. There's no way he's not. You know, raised by a single mother, you know, in Hawaii. He's, uh, he's an interesting character. And, you know, rose to the, the highest ranks of government in a very unusual way. You know, he's... Um, He's our best statesman that we've ever had, in my opinion. You know, I mean, people love Kennedy because he died. If Kennedy lived, who knows what we'd think of him? Probably hate him after the first term. I mean, he was very hated when he died. You know. Um, yeah, he's a special human, but also to be special, to be fascinating, you don't have to be our best. You can be our worst. Yeah, but he was our best statesman. Yeah, the, the, our best yeah. communicator. The, I mean, he was the smoothest and the cleanest in his, but. In the, at the time, Kennedy bucked the system harder than anybody. I mean, I'm sure you've heard this uh, speech that Kennedy gave about secret societies. You know, <laughs> yeah, it's a brilliant speech. It's absolutely brilliant. And that was before they fucking shot him in the head. They're like, "That's enough of this," because uh, he was combating the very thing that ultimately murdered him. And his whole speech, I mean, it's, he has several really strong speeches, which is like... Uh, we choose to go to the moon in this yeah. decade and uh, do the other things, not because they're easy, because they're hard. Uh, and also uh, ask not what you can do for your country. What your country can do for you, yeah. ask what you can do for yeah. your country. And he has a more general one about ask not what America can do for you, ask what you can do for the world, something like that. Yeah, no, he was amazing in yeah. a lot of ways and didn't, you know... He wasn't around that long. Died in his 40s, you know? The good ones die young. Can I read a poem? Fuck yeah. We'll end it with this. Yeah. We, we have a tradition. Yeah. Is we this do. A, <laughs> maybe, maybe one day uh, when I bring a robot, you'll actually wear a suit. Do you still have that same uh, goofy watch? That thing is gigantic. People, it's the same Amazon. Do you like it? I like Are it. Are you attached to it? Oh, like like one of the, like a John Wick style. Like if you kill my dog, <laughs> I will yeah. destroy all of you. No, I feel like it's ridiculous for you. Yeah, some of the it's things unnecessary. In, Do you use it for anything other than the time? Yeah, that's that's what a watch is for. Other bro. than the time. Yeah. Other than the time. Other than no. Oh, I do not use it for anything but to check the time. Joe but why Rodney. do you need a, a, a watch so large? 
This is the problem with Americans. <laughs> they, they, they want their heart rate. They want their sleep schedule. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm, I don't want. I listen. You want what do you? Uh, what do you want from a watch? Do I you want, want you, it to talk dirty to, to you. Take this. That's yours now. That that's an Omega, and that has a moon phase. You see really? that moon in the bottom of it? Keep this? That's yours. That's yours. You see the moon on the bottom of it? Do you see that? This is a happy man right now. That's my watch. That's my favorite watch, by the way. Do you see the the moon in the bottom of it? Yep. That is the actual moon phase. It's a real high resolution photograph of the moon, and as the moon rises, it will rise. Is it's set in the position where the moon is currently? Oh, that's awesome. Fuck yeah, it's awesome. Take that piece of shit, stupid fucking frisbee you got on your wrist. You can't, <laughs> you can't get this back because you no, just did it on yours. record. I it's love yours, it, man. man. It's a what is this? So this is a steampunk watch. The, that fucking the stupid robot thing. Writes <laughs> it and erases it every minute. <laughs> that's so dumb. <laughs> but that watch, that watch is my favorite watch, and I want you to have it. Joe, thank you. My pleasure. See yeah, that? big ass wrist. Yeah. I do. Well, we can get it sized for you. <laughs> no, no, this is perfect. But uh fuck, man. But you see the l- you, little Joe. moon? Thank you so much. Do you see it at the bottom? Yeah, Wait yeah. till it comes full moon. You get a real sense of what it looks like. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful high resolution image. And one of the reasons why I like Omegas, first of all, the astronauts that went to the moon allegedly, they uh wore Omegas. <laughs> But uh, also, it's a it doesn't have the same sort of cachet value as Rolexes or a lot of like the a lot of like the people that have a peripheral understanding of watches. Yeah, but they're fucking phenomenal watches. They make amazing watches. I have a bunch of Omegas. I love them. But that is my favorite watch, and you have my favorite watch now, Joe. Thank you. Actually, this is the one thing I think a watch could add is perspective. On our like the cosmic scale. That's why I like that watch, and that's why yeah. I think you should have it. Because I would look at that watch, and I would say, "This is where we are right now with the moon cycle." Yeah. And when when it comes full moon, like right now, it's just kind of like a little. It's probably like a quarter moon or something. Like yeah. Yeah. Well, when it comes full moon, you'll get a, a real sense of what it actually looks like because it's beautiful. It's a beautiful high resolution image of the moon with like little stars behind it. See how much shit Connor got for his watch this week? Yeah, but that's a rid- ridiculous watch. Well, that's a ridiculous watch. I don't like those watches. I mean, look, you could like whatever you oh, wow. like. Yeah, that, that's a million dollars, his watch. That's preposterous. It's all filled with diamonds and yes, shit. I don't own a single diamond. I've never had a diamond in my life. I don't want a fucking diamond. I like engineering. That's yeah. what I like. I'm, I'm a fan of engineering. And what I like about that watch is the engineering behind it. Is that there? It's a mechanical watch, meaning the time is kept within like a second or two... I don't know what it is, like a day, or I forget what the, what it is, but also with a complication. There's this crazy complication that shows the moon rising across, and when the when it goes dark, and this, I know when I can go outside and see the stars, because I look at my watch. And when my watch shows me no moon, that's when I go outside on my deck. Because <laughs> when I go outside on my deck, I'm, I know I'm just going to see nothing but stars and no moon at all. No light pollution, just beautiful stars in the sky. Well, I'm going to take care of... This Take one. care of it, my brother. Take care of it. Read your poem. This one, maybe it doesn't make sense for a white guy from Russia to read, but I, the reason I love you're this, a different kind of white guy. Different kind. white white people from Russia are a different kind of white people. Yeah, huh? I've been saying <laughs> I've been saying that about fighters for a long time. Like the Russian fighters are that's a different kind of white people. But when I came to this country, what I fell in love with is the freedom. That a, a silly fucking guy like me can do anything. I want with my life. And so this one is from Maya Angelou called Cage Bird. 
Uh, she has really good, one of the literary geniuses that America's ever produced. But she mostly talks about the freedom in the context of racism. But this is bigger than that. This is about freedom in general, freedom of the human spirit. It's called Cage Bird by Maya Angelou. The free bird leaps on the back of the wind and floats downstream to the current ends and dips his wings in the orange sun rays and dares to claim the sky. But a bird that stalks down his narrow cage can seldom see through his bars of rage. His wings are clipped and his feet are tied, so he opens his throat to sing. The, ca the caged bird sings with a fearful trill of the things unknown but longed for still, and his tune is heard on the distant hill, for the caged bird sings of freedom. The free, the free bird thinks of another breeze and trade wings soft through the sighing trees and the fat worms waiting on a dawn bright lawn and he names the sky his own. But a caged bird stands on the graves of dreams. His shadow shouts on a nightmare scream. His wings are clipped and his feet are tied. So he opens his throat to sing. The caged bird sings with a fearful trill of things unknown but longed for still, and his tune is heard on a distant hill for the caged bird sings of freedom. That's beautiful. She's an incredible person, and this is an incredible country. I love America. <laughs> Lex Friedman, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, brother. God bless you all. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye -bye. Thank you my you. pleasure. Thank you for being here. Goodbye, everybody. Bye.